All right, welcome to the Sebe Cast number 140 with Sido. Sido, how you doing today? I'm a bit tired, but I'm doing all right. Oddly enough, it's like coincidental that it's 140 because uh, my favorite number is actually four. But what about one? Is your favorite number one or zero? Nah, I don't know why. I just <laughs> I'm just drawn to four for some reason. Oh really? That's 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 my older brother's favorite number. He'd always put four 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 at the end of all of his names. <laughs> Never was too big of a fan of the number four. I was always a two guy. I thought two was the coolest number. I mean, to each their own, I guess. Yeah, interesting. Do you have a favorite color, by the way? This blue. is going to be all the questions, of course. We're going to talk about yeah. in a second. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I think blue is my favorite color. I feel like it's a common one. Okay, mine's probably like yellow. I like the brighter colors. Interesting. Okay, so um, Seto, you uh, it's been you've been in the OSRS scene for a couple years now, at least. Um, when did you start content creation, uh, roughly? I think I started taking content creation a little bit more seriously about give or take two years ago now. Um, at one point, I attempted to stream on the MacBook, and it was actually working out okay. But then a MacBook update hit, and then performance kind of dropped. So I couldn't stream until after I got a desktop computer. Um, I'm just stealing my dad's desktop computer. I stream on his computer. But that was when eventually I started playing on that, had to adjust because going from MacBook to computer feels like kind of a huge jump. Like using the mouse on the computer feels just so much better. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I probably took like a few months of adjusting before I said, you know what, let's give uh, streaming a try. And then that was when I kind of started getting a lot more serious into content creation. Started off a little bit with uh, doing some uh, streaming. And then eventually I was like, you know, what, let's make some videos because... At the time, I was getting more and more into in-depth CM5s and stuff like that. And I was like, there should be more guides out there. So I did some attempts at making some guides. And I felt like some of them were pretty decent. They're just really niche. Yeah, they're de- yeah. That, that's just the problem when it comes to like high-level gaming in any pursuit. Like If you actually want to make really good, comprehensive guides, the average player has no desire to look at that. Like They just want the yeah. basics. <laughs> yeah. And plus, generally, the people that do the most insane guides are not natural editors. Like, they're not natural, like, I'm going to make a really awesome video. It's more about, like, here's what you need to learn to learn this content. Like, they're more into the game rather than, like, pre- like the presentation of it all. So. Yeah. I mean. And present presentation's yeah. a big part of it. I feel like my presentation's got a lot better, but it helps to have a, a lot of feedback from my friends and my good friend noob type also kind of backseats me a bit on the presentation of my videos he's like you should do this i'm like oh, okay i'll do this yep that's good noob type's a legend i also got to give a shout out to coxie i think coxie and his editors have really just narrowed that line of real in-depth on the methods themselves and keeping it really average player friendly and just average viewer friendly where most people that are watching a Coxie video, they have no actual desire to do the methods that Coxie's doing, but they're getting that knowledge kind of just in the background, sort of like they're learning the, these new in-depth, like super in-depth, crazy advanced methods that involve a bunch of alts and stuff, but it's in a super digestible format. And I think part of it is just the fact that that's not actually what they're there for. Like the viewers are not there for that. They're there for the pet hunt series. 
but they're getting that extra stuff. And I think that's like the way to kind of bring that in a little bit more naturally. So a hundred percent. Yeah. His, his series is absolutely popping off. I mean, I think it was like his, I think it was by like episode one or episode two. He was already at like 30 K subs on YouTube. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. That's all it really takes is just make a good, a, a goddamn good series. And you know, you've, you've made something on YouTube, but on the other hand, that has to be something you want to do. Like if it's, if you're hating every step of the way of like trying to make this video, like just for the subs, like that's not going to be able to be upkept. So it's got to be a passion. You got to put a lot of work into it and that work and like just all that effort really goes to show like that. That's all it really takes is just one really well done series to grow a YouTube channel. Yeah, like regarding that, right now I'm working on a new account, uh, Grandmaster from Scratch, and I haven't started editing yet. I've been writing out a little, like some ideas on my notepad. I always tend to write stuff on my phone whenever I'm at like work or after I park. Like I get to work early and I'm just sitting there, just waiting a couple months before I can actually clock in. So I'll just be on my phone. I'll just be writing out ideas. Um, I've been really enjoying that a lot. I did not expect to play on a brand new account without a lot of help from. My other accounts because I'm not training anything over or using alts to help me. It's actually really fun playing on a new account, but it, it, it does help that I played in February 2015. So things have changed so much since it. There's like so many things you could do to so many bosses. It's actually so much different now. Yeah, it used to just be like one linear meta, generally speaking. It was like, just do this. I mean, I guess there's always going to be the meta of like, do this to be the most efficient. But yeah, like you said, there is like the early game and mid game. There is so much variety now. You can take so many different paths and it's all way more efficient than it was in 2015 or earlier. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you enjoy. So let me ask, like, did you think you would enjoy making a new account and playing through it, even though you're used to high level stuff or like, were you kind of expecting it to be a drag? And now you just pleasantly surprise yourself or what? I expected the early game to just be an absolute drag and I just hate every second of it, but it's actually not as bad as I thought it'd be. Interesting. See, I have not made a new account in so goddamn long. Like literally the account I'm playing with 1.5 bill XP is the last account I like created from scratch. <laughs> so like it's been just literally six years, six plus years since I've really been in that like super, super early stage. And I remember having an absolute blast, but in my head, I'm thinking it was only a blast because it was my first time doing it. And I was younger. I was a lot more addicted. And But who knows? Maybe that could all come flooding back if I just chose to take that leap of faith and just make a new account. Yeah. I mean, I've made a couple of accounts just for alting methods. But the thing is, when I play on those accounts, it feels more like a chore because it's all about just training over a crap load of money. I've been just doing a bunch of Borg skilling and all that, but I think playing on a brand new account and without all that extra help, it does make it feel a lot more rewarding. And the dopamine when you get a drop you're not expecting and you just see your bank just double out of nowhere, it actually feels so good. It does, yeah. I remember getting my first Dragon Warhammer like way back and it literally like tripled my bank and I'm like... This feels so fucking good. Like getting getting your bank to a hundred mil on an Iron Man in general, it's just it feels insane. And then getting it to a bill, you're like, 
bruh i got a fucking bill from scratch this is crazy yeah yeah that's a good feeling so for those um that are probably you know unaware of uh, what you do as a content creator, what you do as a player. Um, if you want to just give a little bit more of a backstory to just your content in general, and you do, like you said, you stream as well as you've started YouTube stuff. Like, what is your passion in RuneScape, and what do you like to create for content? So when I first started streaming, I think the main thing I wanted to do was to educate with just doing CM5s, because, again, there were people that were streaming before then. Like, you had Lucid, who was probably the big dude to go to when it came to CM5s. He would always be streaming with Dale and them, and I was like, man, this is really cool. But then he started streaming less and less, and eventually I was getting more and more into it. So that was the first thing I wanted to do, was just to just educate people, and I wanted to make guides to help people improve in CM5s. Making those guides actually kind of helped myself improve, because at one point I was a prep one trick, but I eventually learned banking because I wanted to make a banking video. So I had to figure out all the, all the problems with that. Uh, but <clears throat> other than that, eventually I wanted to do a bit more than just making educational stuff. Because I really, I really thought it was fun to do some dumb stuff on stream and just make people laugh. So then I just wanted to educate. I wanted to entertain. And then last but not least, I wanted to kind of document my progression as a player over the years. So those are the three things that I wanted to do. Um, obviously, when I started streaming, I was already a decent PVMer. But when I first started, I'm going to be honest, I was not that good. And I I suffered from a lot of performance anxiety. Um, I remember years ago, the first introduction I had to speedrun PVM was uh, Chambers. And I did a run, but then I turned down like, opportunities after that because my performance anxiety was so bad like my heart it felt like inferno all over again my heart wanted <laughs> to jump out of my chest even if everyone else on the team was like no 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 you're doing fine you're doing fine but yeah i was just like this was not for me uh so eventually I'm trying to think when it was i think it was like somewhere in like 2019 but i eventually got invited by a friend in weed raids he was like hey do you want to pot top speed and i was like yeah, sure, as long as I can uh, bring one friend with me. So, um, funnily enough, people don't know my boy Mogul Kirby like I do. He used to be named Dark Lord 1A, and we used to be in a social <laughs> clan together. But I pulled him with me to these top speeds because I was like, he's, he's my closest friend. Uh, and we did duo top and do just a bunch of duo stuff together. This is before he was streaming a lot. But uh, I said, I'll put to top speeds as long as he can come. And that was some of the most fun. Just learning top speeds with like three other dudes that are just really chill and we're kind of all on the same level. I was like pretty relaxed about it. Eventually, I started getting a bit more serious about the sub 15. But uh, once I got that done, I eventually started moving more away from the social clan I was in. There was just a lot of things that just pushed me away from that clan. And then a few months later, I was like, okay, all my friends are in Obliv. Let me just join Obliv. And then that was what kind of got me into the arc of wanting to pot more and more and trying to get better at the game since i got that i'll always be a little bit anxious but the anxiety was kind of a lot better i wasn't as i wasn't at that point where my heart was gonna jump out of my chest yeah, yeah um but yeah i was more for top than chambers at that point and i eventually wanted to get in the cms there was like a, another discord i was in and i think this is what really kicked me off into wanting to get serious about cms so there was a dude 
Um, a friend of mine asked me to pot CMs. There's another guy on the team. And uh, at the time, I was affiliated with Reader Raids because I was a mod. One po- At one point, I was a mentor and then a mod. But since then, I've stepped down. But uh, yeah, the guy wasn't a big fan of uh, Reader Raids because I uh, banned his boy for... Adver- <laughs> his boy was advertising Inferno Capes in his description. So he was like, you unbanned this man right now or else. And I was like, well, I can't do that. So they just left me on red, and I was kind of sad. But instead of just moping about it, I was like, okay, I have a bunch of other friends that want to pot CMs. This is our opportunity to actually improve. So I got them together, and I was like, all right, let's do this. I'm going to get that sub-23 time. Nowadays, sub-23 is kind of a joke, but at the time, it was pretty tough. So got the boys together, and it just started improving and improving, and they started picking a bunch of people up from Obliv who wanted to learn to, and it was it was really nice. It was really nice until uh, you have those uh, leeches who are just pulling up just for the diary time and you're just leaving after that. That really sucked. Like my <laughs> friend Toy was pissed off about that, but that was what got me into CMs. And since then, I've always been trying to improve um, myself and improve others, especially. Nice. So, what is your favorite content in the game currently? What would you say is like overall just your favorite? Oh, giant mole. <laughs> it's uh chambers is eric challenge mode oh my god um okay so challenge mode. so you know what's really funny is i remember like when challenge modes first came out there seemed to have been like a lot of backlash in a it sense sucked. like it sucked a yeah lot. it just like it was just annoying people were just having like not a good time doing it but it still is a really challenging piece of content and i know they made some changes to it but um yeah that's what is it about cms that makes it your favorite there's a lot of different aspects in cms that i really enjoy the whole linear aspect of every single room so you're forced to kind of face every encounter um but the one thing that makes it pretty interesting is inventory management and banking you don't have that in any other raid so that's another really cool thing about it uh especially the different roles i know that you know Roles are kind of artificial in this game. It's like, okay, you go hit that thing, you hit that one. All right, you use this weapon. Like, it's Hob, it's Nilo. So everyone's, like, using their specific style, right? So it's kind of similar in Chambers where it's like, okay, you have these jobs that you need to do. Um, but I don't know. I just, I like how everything feels. I like the common encounters. I like how banking is. I think it's a really cool skill to have, just knowing how your inventory is going to come out. And, uh, of course, I love prep. I think prep is also something really fun. Mm. So you wouldn't be a huge fan of like solo CMs. It's more like the team aspect. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a team dude. I've I've done solos before, and I've like wanted to take my keyboard and slam it against the wall. <laughs> uh, not not actually, but yeah, yeah I understand that solos you need like super mental for that. I'm more of a team person though. That's fair. Yeah, I think you just get more fun out of just any sort of team content. But you're you're mindset has to be i enjoy team content because there are people that just don't like having to deal with other players as well yeah of course the only reason i pushed myself into doing solo content in the first place was because the oblivion diary so i ended up completing it once before they updated the times but uh i have no want of doing that right now i'm just playing the game for fun nice so this is one of the or uh, it's something that's been brought up and i'm curious your thoughts on it because you are a cm andy so the cm capes is it appropriate 
for those cape. So just for those listening and are maybe unaware, CMs have a cape up to 2000 KC. Tob has them up to 2000 and TOA. But the difference is Tob and TOA, you can do the regular variants to get to that 2K cape. Whereas chambers, you must do CMs. You can't just do normal chambers. Do you think that that should change or do you think that it's appropriate the way it is? I honestly feel like this should change it. It might sound weird as a person that has so much CMKC on the back. So it's like, I want to make them suffer just like me. But now I, it feels inconsistent. That's one thing. And then two, I think it's such a cool cape. And have to gate it for probably one of the longest grinds. It kind of sucks. I know there's a lot of long grinds in this game. And I don't want everything to be super easy. That's not what I'm trying to say. But for the sake of like consistency between the raids, I think that it'd be okay to do combined KC. But that's just my two cents on it. I'm really pleased to hear that. I was je- I was definitely expecting you to be like, no, nah, CFs only because I enjoy them. But that's good no. to hear that you're very uh, <laughs> no, non gatekeeping. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, I think it really is like the OCD in me and just the inconsistency. Like, what is going on here? I can't, like, you still have to do 2,000 chambers. I mean, it's a long grind regardless. I think the only yeah. thing is. For those that have put in the effort to get to 2,000 CMs, like that, it is extremely unfair, especially if they were expecting there to never be a change. But there's been so many things that have been incredibly unfair. There's people with the jar of darkness pre oh, yeah. pre uh, you know rate change, and now they're just like the average Joe. Now, like that fucking sucks. Probably not like any of those jars were deserved, but still, you know, it's, a, <laughs> it's it's still like cool to have something really prestigious, and then it gets completely devalued by something just for the sake of consistency and for the sake of just like this is absurd. Um, I don't necessarily think the two thousand CMs is like absolutely out of this world absurd. Like the obviously. 2500 scotizo was a bit aggressive so she went that one's pretty bad dude there was a reddit post the other day and i fucking linked it on twitter and it of course i don't know what elon did to twitter but whenever you post a reddit link it's just like the most bland thing ever but so i'm never doing that again but on reddit (laughs) a guy went 387 hispori for their first bucket Oh, gosh. It's, that that is, guy's going to hate me when he finds how many buckets I have on my men, then. Oh, yeah. No, he probably hates everybody. I mean, everybody's going to hate him. But that's, yeah. that is actually a, over 11x rate. Like, that is, like, definitive proof. Like, this dude literally went 11x rate. And I'm like, bruh, can you imagine somebody going 11x rate on Jar of Darkness pre-log? Like, you would literally have to do 27 thousand scotizo that's like i'm pretty sure it's like five bill slayer xp like yeah some ridiculous amount (laughs) the the thing is in this game there isn't a lot of uh what's the word i'm looking for there isn't stuff to kind of save you from a bad rng like Mm -mm. you can have those players that are lucky you can have those players that are unlucky so in the long run it's always going to even out when you look at it across players yeah but it just feels so bad when you're that one unlucky player for anything. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. I mean, the thing is, is like Jar of Darkness was not an essential thing to get. There is no use for it. Yeah. It's the equivalent of like Third Age. But the consistency of other jars made sense. Um, one of my concerns, though, is just the whole collection log mentality that we all have, like, a, as a player base as a whole, like, have now. Where... 
I was talking to the J mods. I think it was mod ed or mod Bruno recently. And just, I'm like, what are we going to do with clue scroll expansions? Because there are people that are so obsessed with the collection log that if you were to add another clue scroll expansion, similar to what they've done in previous years, where they just add items to the tiers, like that is going to feel so shitty now for players that love collection logging and greening those logs. So that is the big downside of collection log is people have this innate feeling that this needs to be completed. Like this isn't just for the sake of looking at all the things you've obtained. No, this is about completion. And if you, if Jagex comes out with anything that's going to make it incomplete, I'm going to fucking throw a fit basically. So that's my fear. And it's not even, I mean, it's a totally rational fear to have because it, I think it limits what we can actually have as updates going forward. Like, I'm just thinking of a Clustral expansion. Like, how, like just that example alone, how are you even supposed to have extra items come into the game without completely just throwing away everybody's past hours that they've dedicated? Because if you even just release one new item, you have to do that entire grind again because you're hunting one specific item. And in that time, you would have, you know, maybe gotten all the other uniques or at least the majority of them. So... I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like just collection log mentality in general? Um, so I think it's not just this obviously can be applied to just a lot of things in the game because the general principle is that you're trying to like cater towards specific player bases, right? Um in my in my case, okay, I don't clog, so it's easier for me to be like, I feel that you should try not to cater toward specific players when you're coming up with updates, because it can kind of limit your creativity when it comes to stuff. And that really sucks. I don't want them to feel limited when it comes to creativity, whether it's like mechanics or like new additions to stuff. Um, I know there are players that want to complete the clog and who knows, maybe one day it'll actually get completed, even though it'll take like millions and millions of years. Who knows? <laughs> maybe the Zillagist will be the one who rules them all, bro. He'll, he'll like complete the log and he'll beat the game, bro. Like he'll, I just, mean, he'll just beat the game. He's getting like a new third age piece every fucking month. I don't yeah, know. He's going crazy. crazy right now. Yeah. But yeah, I have a. I've always had the philosophy that the JMod shouldn't just cater toward, uh, you know, those kind of things. They should just do their thing. Um, I think that, I think it's good when they're able to have creative freedom for anything, even if like I know the high level players might re if it's like this. They haven't had their raid in a long time or any updates, and it's all these like billy bob updates but honestly i'm okay with that because guess what you have more players coming in and they might end up becoming end game players i think that's the nice thing about uh, rs3 is it's a lot easier to get in the end game i don't know if this game will ever be like that where it's kind of easy to get in the end game but i honestly wouldn't mind if stuff was a bit more accelerated so because more end game players means more end game updates but i feel like there are some voids that still need to be filled with the middle game, like actually rewarding middle game stuff. Like I feel like the wilderness bosses are kind of a decent middle game boss that actually makes decent money compared to someone like Serachnus, which kind of feels like a joke. I think I, it's good on an Iron Man, right? Because I know you get the clues from it, but I mean like the other stuff, like the the cudgel and the eggs. Yeah, I so, mean the eggs are nice, but yeah, like you're not getting anything that's like really that meaningful. I mean. I don't know. Like, the, I'm surprised, like, because I've all I've already been just in the end game for so long. Like, the cudgel actually has a little bit of use, but you just get like a bludgeon, or I, I don't know. Like, the the cudgel's fine, but the, this is the problem with mid game stuff. It's like 
you just upgrade so quickly to the next best thing and it takes yeah. like a like a handful of hours to just get something that's like significantly better i mean i was slapping on that gm account i was slapping calvarion with a rune mace and then eventually i got the level for the cudgel and then i was slapping with a cudgel and then i got a ring of the gods and that upgraded to an actual wilderness weapon so yeah <laughs> you could uh you get those upgrades pretty fast you're not wrong yeah no it feels good i mean that's part of the beauty of that early and mid game and i i don't I feel like you and Addy kind of have a similar perspective on like just getting people to end game quickly or at least not end game, but late game. I think there's a slight yeah. difference of like of that, but um, I don't know. I think there's some, I don't think there needs to be a rush in getting players to that. And uh, I don't know. I think there's beauty in just enjoying the journey. And I do agree with you on the point like j give jagex freedom and give them the creative freedom and also don't listen too much to what players want when it appears to be selfish like for example like just i get nervous of us seeing like this game is a means to an end like it's like all this bullshit to get to raids like we see it as all bullshit it's like it's not bullshit that's actually kind of the fun like that that journey of progressing your account stage by stage is really the thing that's actually fun i mean that that's the beauty of runescape and i think that's why we all have this kind of like obsession with the game like the players that put in thousands of hours it's like we deep down actually enjoy the grind but yeah. it's hard to sometimes see that and we sometimes just see it as like i just want to get to this place and then i'll finally be happy it's like no that's that's not really the case you're you're always going to want another goal so that needs to that needs to be like i don't know one of the one of my worries is like i don't think the community and the team we have not really gathered up together and like created like a vision for the long-term health and identity of this game i feel like that is kind of necessary at this point i know that sounds kind of like i don't know a little bit weird because it's a fucking video game like it's a point and click game but i think it would be important to have like an actual vision as to like what's important to keep in the identity of this game what is important to maintain integrity wise like for example the idea that's going around that like skills can be idle and there's not going to be any like negative effect like that that's an argument to be had for sure it's not like i'm just completely yeah. you know getting rid of that argument but we have to decide as a community like what is, what are the things that are most important to this game and then we have to stick to those and so you know updates going forward we can look at that vision that we've created as a community and as a team and just be like okay like this is going to fall in line with this this isn't so let's not go down that path but right now it feels like we're just kind of blindly in a way it's not fully blindly but it feels like in the next couple of years if we continue down this route of just listening to any loud voice on reddit or twitter like this game is gonna slowly kind of chip apart and we're gonna lose that identity I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I'm just going on some rants right now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to think of something because that's like a lot to take in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. You got to be careful when you're just like looking at the storm of comments because sometimes change is necessary, even if people might not like it. So, totally, totally. Like, like, yeah. Um, trying to think. Well, I'll I'll just say another thing while you collect your thoughts. Like, I 
personally think it's important for this game to go forward in quality of life and focusing on fun rather than just purely masochistic and difficult and tedious grinds for the sake of it. Like, I don't think that's core to RuneScape's identity is like yeah. masochistic grinds. Like, I always just bring up this example, sulfur mining. Like, that sucks, man. I hate it. It's it, hate like there's mining. nothing good about it. Like, there's literally nothing. It's just to piss you off. It's like, here, just do this it's for so three bad. hours. Like, just fucking mine this shit for three hours while these NPC clouds fuck you up. Like, this is, there is nothing fun about this. And that is a really bad game design. Like, that's horrible game design. So, let's focus on what's fun. And I've been saying this, like, there's been obviously a huge uh, outcry for, like, mining changes and stuff. And I've been a huge advocate. Like, yes, we need, like, there needs to be some changes. And the simplest ways are like just go into previous content. Like look at Motherload Mine, for example. Look at like just literally gather a selection of players that have done a lot of Motherload Mine and have common sense and ask them what their least favorite parts of Motherload Mine are. They will tell you immediately what those are. What are the things that piss you off about that place? And then change it. Like just make it so the least fun aspects get changed to more fun aspects. And you don't need to buff... Buffing XP rates is not making anything more fun. It's just making it less of a grind. It's like, okay, I can just get rid of this bullshit quicker. Like, I can stop doing it faster. I think focusing on fun, at least this is just in regards to skilling, is so important. The same thing with chambers. Like, there's obviously a bunch of talk around the chamber scouting and um luckily jack i still haven't made a, a ramble on it yet but uh jagex has decided instead of like this fee and stuff to actually address the problems with rooms themselves and i think that's thank a thank god i know what are your thoughts on that because you i i actually saw on your youtube channel you actually made a, a ramble on that so um before i go into that i'll, I'll go into it in a second but i just want to okay. you know say some thoughts regarding like the yeah, QL yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff i think like general polishing ql is really important i know there's this this big focus on always coming in with new stuff, but I think it is kind of important to tackle all the old stuff and make sure like whether it's PVM or skilling, you have it kind of all the stuff is nice and polished. And I think for skilling, it's always good to have different alternatives to train something. You have like the, the slow, but kind of nice and AFK methods. And then you have like the high intensive poker or high intensity methods that provide you the best rates because um, some people preferred chilling. Some people, like I'm at work and I'm literally remote desktop in at Nightmare Zone while I'm at work just to train combat. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying everything's got to be like Nightmare Zone, but yeah, having some, uh, you know, having some alternatives is always good. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say one thing on that. Um, ag agility is, an al is always a great example to bring up, but Sepulchre is amazing because on top of it being high intensity, it's also, there's a skill ceiling to it. Like, you actually have to be good. Like, you have to put in hours to get better at it. It's not just like you're immediately good 30 seconds in, like most skilling content. And it's also very rewarding in every aspect, which we don't see, and I'm going to bring it back to mining, just for the sake of it. Like we don't see that with mining. Like most high level mining methods, you're like losing money, which is just so backwards in my opinion. And I think the dogmatic view that that's how mining needs to be, which I do see that mentality in a lot of the high level skillers. It's just 
it's backwards mentality. Yes, it's been in the game forever, but that doesn't mean it needs to be that way. And uh, I, I think it's important for like these really high sweaty, potentially like you know quote unquote sweaty methods could be rewarding as well GP wise. I think like dude, if three tick four G, you were making a mil an hour doing it, that'd be phenomenal. Like that would actually be fantastic. There'd be another incentive to do it. I don't think it's yeah. important at all to make that like no, it, you can't profit because you're gaining more XP. I think that's so silly. Imagine Sepulchre, you like lost money doing it. Like that's just so dumb. That, that would be yeah, that would yeah. just be so dumb. Like people would do it because it's the most XP, but you wouldn't be having that much fun and people would just be like this is fucking stupid. So I don't think we really need a lot of GP sync. I feel like we have a lot of GP syncs already, so it's just more about like providing, you know, some reward for making your wrist like get destroyed. So then when you're an old decrepit man, then it's like <laughs> I can't use my wrists anymore, you know? Yeah. That's another thing. Get rid of the stupid wrist breaking stuff. I've yeah, I'm, I'm not, I could literally talk about this shit for like the next two hours about like all these problems <laughs> with skilling. Cause I'm, I've been very, I've been on my like villain slash skilling arc lately. My demon, yeah. my demon arc. But, uh, yeah. I mean, my, yeah. My yeah. personal opinion just started with construction because when I first started construction, that was actually when my wrist pain began on my right hand. Oh, shit. And since then, it hasn't really gone away. Like, I take breaks to help with, but sometimes it just aches. It's not much I can do about it. So, yeah, I am a prime example of uh, the dangers of skilling in this game. <laughs> okay, let's hear your um, opinions on the Chambers changes that were recently proposed by Jagex, the, their second proposal. All right, let me just open up the proposal real quick so I can yeah. actually, like, I'm going to pull that up, too, actually. That would be a great idea. All right, so I'll start from the top. So some of the changes, like, I'm... I'm for the most part, I'm okay with all of the changes. Some of them, I'm just like, they're not really going to affect me, but I can understand why. Like, example, adding energy pools around the raid. It seems like they're being, there's been this emphasis of just adding stamina pools and stuff, like whether it's quests or just content in general. But like I said, I don't, I don't really care. If you're going fast, it's not going to affect you. It's more for people that are like in the early game, like maybe Iron Man or like low-level counts and they're trying to save money or don't have staminas. So there's that um so i'll probably just talk about the changes that really caught my eye okay if you um, if you actually want like we we got time we could go through them and just share your personal thoughts on each of the changes and if, even if it's just brief just okay. so just so people that maybe haven't even looked at what they're proposing at least have a broader perspective on what all the things they're changing all right sounds good so the other change was speeding up growth time for like all the plants this is more of a change for teams that they team prep or for masses. So that's honestly a good change. Um, being able to see all drops on bosses is such a good change. I think that's a fantastic change altogether because there are times, it depends on what kind of content you're doing. Like if you're doing CM5 speedruns, the worst thing that can happen is let's say you're prep. You bring all your gear down with you so that you can insta start home to make it pop up sooner. If you get the final mutt kill, you're not going to be able to do that. So now you can assign roles to people on who's going to pick up what pots, and you never have to worry about sniping kills anymore. And I think that's great. The only downside, obviously, is if you're in a mass, it's literally free pickings on who's getting the pots. So it sucks for masses, but I think regardless, it's such a great change. Oh, yeah. Um, regular supplies appearing when you drop them. Um, this is a double-edged sword. 
it's good because now you can share potions with people if you don't have like heal other and other stuff like that. But um, CM5s usually drop two pots at the tinderbox. So you're just going to have to drop some other items that other people can't pick up because of pit wars. <laughs> just because of pit wars. So because mm. if people are trying to pick up their pots, then someone's going to pit them and they can't actually grab their pots. So it's just going to take super long for everyone to actually get their pots. Yeah. So dropping, dropping cheap items is probably going to be the go-to for that now. But that that's just a matter of like slightly changing the meta where you just have a different tile where you're dropping your stuff and you just have to decide yeah. prior. But yeah, that is going to be kind of annoying. Yeah, I'm just I'm just making dropping items. It's just gonna be the play for that. Okay, the scab drops. Making it where they drop like your secondaries all the time is wonderful. Worst thing that can happen is you just get non-sub shrooms over and over again and no juice anywhere. And it just sucks because you're always late to ice. You get the ice or you get the shamans, or not even any of those rooms. You go to Vanguards. Like you don't even get to complete the rooms because you're just stuck on getting seconds for prep. <laughs> so Honestly, a wonderful change. Um, plank stackable. I mean, I'm okay with that. Just means that only takes one space now. Uh, and then the shortcuts. Again, like I have no complaints about it. If you're doing a speed run, you're not gonna have the tools on you. But uh, it's still nice. I think it's still good. All right. Now there's Tekton. Okay. Now Tekton. When they brought in that Elder Mall change, I was sitting there like. Why don't they just make this change for the Elder Mall across the whole game? Because I'm not sure if it would be super strong if you had it where it's shredding 5% current defense per swing. I think it would make it kind of unique. Because um, now, like these days when you're using spec like stuff to drop defense, you want to do it fast. The Dragon Warhammer and Beegis is always going to be good. But now you have this weapon that if they were to implement it for the entire game, I, find it, I think it'd be kind of cool to... You know, just whack something. It just, just gets lower defense and lower defense over and over again if you whack it a bunch of times. Um, yeah, no. I mean, that that actually... Uh, there's probably going to be some cases where people... Like, just scenarios we haven't thought of that maybe it's broken. But yeah, that seems overall a positive change. And I actually am generally against, like, monster and area-specific changes to weapons. I, I just... Yeah. I'm not a fan of it at all. I, I'm even... I'm so extreme on that that I even don't like the Zolra Tebow cap where you can only hit up to 50. I think that's stupid. Caps in general are stupid. And I also think where the Tebow does a lot more damage in Chambers and the Shadow does more damage in Toa and the Fang does more damage in Toa. I was just like, come on. Like, what is this? I, like, I understand it's going to feel better doing it, but why can't it... Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's just the inconsistency. It's the same thing with the CMK, which is I don't like inconsistency. The, the other thing, too, is the other mall is a mega rare, and out of all the three, it has what feels like the least use because there are other crush weapons that are just downright better to use. I can't think of... If you have an ink mace um, and probably a bludgeon, too, I really can't think of when you'd really want to use the other mall. Maybe CM Tekton if you don't have many good options, but that's what I really dislike. It's just it was kind of useless. Oh, yeah. So it's, giving it's it, really useless. <laughs> giving it that change, I feel like, would make it, like, warrant the Mega Rare title a bit more. Obviously, it wouldn't be the craziest weapon, because, again, most people want to drop defense as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. But it would make it a little bit better. So I thought that was kind of cool they mentioned it. I'm just hoping they take it out of the Tekton thing and just make it a general buff. Um, as for the other changes... 
the artificially like artificial guarantee on the first dragon warhammer to hit i thought was nice uh the tacton crush defense being lower is kind of nice too and then preventing defense from resetting is also nice but if they were to pick from all of us i'm pretty sure most people want the first dragon warhammer to hit yeah so i'm i'm hoping that for some of them they pick multiple of their pitches because I really don't see any harm in making Tecton feel a bit more squishier in the defense department. He still has a lot of HP. It's not like he's just going to fall over and die. And he still does a lot of damage too if you mess up. So he's still going to be kind of a frightening boss. It's just, it just feels like a cinder block wall. Like you're taking your fist and just hitting a wall. So I'm glad they're addressing this. I'm just hoping that um, they do more than just one change from that list of pitches. But otherwise, hitting the first hammer, I feel like, is going to still alleviate a lot of people's pain and suffering. Yeah. No, I think it's good. Again, it just it's one of those inconsistency things, although this is not that big of a deal because as long as you just make a monster-specific, have some weird mechanic, like, oh, for some odd reason, hammers always hit the first you know the first hammer spec always hits it's like that's weird but uh, okay i think what would actually be even better this is my own opinion and it's gonna drastically change the meta at uh at um tecton is like what if every crush weapon like <laughs> this is gonna sound extreme maybe i'll back up on this take but i'm just gonna spew it anyway what if every crush weapon guaranteed hit regardless like what if, what if you just what if you just always hit at tecton now it's not saying you're always going to max it or anything but you're just always going to hit as long as you have a crush weapon so the room is like extremely consistent is that <laughs> that's probably so broken but that would actually be so much goddamn fun all right listen to this all right yeah, we'll, we'll okay. take that but we'll, we'll tweak it a little bit just to yeah, make it sound please, a bit more absurd okay please so we'll take the warden mechanic from P2 Warden, well, stack it on Tecton, and the accuracy of your crush is going to determine like your min and max hit of your weapon. So Ooh. then you'll always be hitting on Tecton with a crush weapon, but how hard you're going to be hitting is like based on your crush. Because then crush accuracy kind of matters, and then maybe lowering the defense will make it where you hit harder too. So then the room would feel a little bit more consistent. Defense training still matters. Obviously, it that is a crazy thing to say, but I'm only saying that because of what you mentioned. So I'm like, all right, let's, uh, let's spice things up a bit, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, my my initial proposal for years has just been let full Inquisitors guarantee Dragon Warhammer specs. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Like, you just got to be careful with uh, with that in PvP. But if we're excluding PvP in general and just letting the hammer hit the spec with full ink or just having some sort of increased accuracy or something, like a bigger accuracy, because I obviously know Inquisitor gives you, like, that slight damaging accuracy increase but i think it could maybe get like a buff when you're doing specs like maybe a 10 percent, 20 percent buff something that's like it feels better like a yeah. more drastic because right now don't really bring it for speed runs outside of i guess cms because you really want the hammers to hit but like in top speed runs used to be brought uh, now ink is kind of obsolete I yeah feel like it's a bit more uh there needs to be more incentive to use it no Just there does and and i don't even think it would be broken in in any pvp situation like the fact that you would need to bring full ink and a dragon warhammer yeah. like in a pvp situation just to guarantee that you're not going to hit a zero like you're probably not even going to hit a zero anyway like you're just you're super accurate yeah regardless i don't could, i don't think that's a big problem 
They could just do what the stat or what is it, status? Yeah, I think the status set has like increased accuracy on specs. Just do something like that. So then at least bounty hunter wouldn't be too bad. Maybe it would lead to some crazy shit in uh like actual wilderness PvP, but I, I doubt it. Doubt I mean, you, you literally yeah. already have a Void Waker. Yeah, Void Waker, like that. Ancient God Sword. There's other Shit super strong broken. spec weapons. So I think that making that change where it gets kind of a status buff, there, just actually is not bad. There was a few concerns that somebody did bring up. Um, I can't remember who, but it was kind of the idea that if this works everywhere and... You know, if you just bring full ink and a Dragon Warhammer and you can literally lower the defense of literally any monster in the game, that would have severe consequences in, in certain situations where a monster is supposed to have incredibly super, super high defense where the point is not to be able to reduce its defense by 30% instantaneously. Yeah. So so if that's the case, then that's why I'm saying like having just that increased accuracy would probably be good compared to just making it guaranteed. I know a lot of people because they're just Huffing on the copium of potting solosiums. Hell, I would definitely want that for solosiums too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. They just want to be hitting hammers and not just resetting over and over again because you can literally be sat there for a half hour, even an hour, just trying to get attacked on reset just so you can get the one anvil to send the run. That doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel good at all. Yeah. Yeah, maybe this change is just fine. Um, I don't think yeah. any of my suggestions have been really any better. So this is. Totally hey man, yeah. I think spitballing is always cool. No, I think it is, yeah, for sure. Okay, um, next Let's one. Let's move on to crabs. Okay, so this is good and bad. This is a double-edged sword. Okay, so no longer splashing on crabs is great because the worst thing is you're trying to color your crab with mage and it splashes. Range and melee, they always hit. Well, they don't always hit, but you don't have to do a splashing whereas mage has to splash sometimes. Even in max mage, it is frustrating. So this is good. But at the same time, there are different methods to do crab room, which involves splashing. Because for those of you who don't know, when you splash on an NPC, it instantly aggros them. So they'll just start walking toward you as soon as possible. Yep. So people abuse that fact in crab room to do these really cool, different, really fast crab methods that are consistent, like 46 and 45 second crabs. But uh, if you remove splashing altogether, then uh, you can't do it anymore. So... My proposed fix for this would be allow yourself to splash if you're at the splash threshold of negative 65. Otherwise, always hit. So that would just fix that issue altogether. Then it would be like a good change. But otherwise, it would just be a bad change if they just completely remove splashing altogether. Oh, I'm I'm certain that they just didn't include that. I'm, I'm almost certain that yeah. negative 65 will still guarantee splash. At least I would really hope. That would be really silly if they just made it so now you'd still splash that that would be stupid i mean at the same time it's like an easy oversight because you don't really think too much about those methods like 46 second 45 second it's only those people that pot a lot of cms that can be like this is bad because everyone else i'm pretty sure is gonna be like this is great but if you pot that stuff all the time it's like this is bad the cool thing is the next um thing they proposed though is the removing the the attack delay because that maybe you'd actually (laughs) yeah maybe you'd even be able to keep those same metas even if which i personally think would be stupid but even if they made it so negative 65 you still don't splash maybe there's a chance that this could save it although yeah i don't know what are your thoughts on the uh removing attack delay i think it's fine i think it's gonna be better for solos too like that's the other good thing oh yeah cool 
All right, now let's get into ice team. Okay, so this one's actually going to change ice altogether, at least how you handle it. So what people would do is they would drop their two items of Tinderbox, uh, grab their Tinderbox, grab their axe, equip the axe, and then uh, drop Tinderbox, bank all their gear. Now what you would do if kindling is stackable, you drop three things, grab your Tinderbox, grab your axe, start chopping as soon as possible, and you just chop and then make your way toward the chest. And then once you dump your first set of kindling, then you start banking. So this makes it where the room is slightly faster and you don't have to worry about banking. So it kind of makes ice a little bit easier now. So in a way, it's, it is good. I don't, I'm not going to complain about it. I think it's good. Um, and then the one that I think a lot of people are going to like is reducing Ice Demon's magic defense. Because one, Surge, you, even with two hammers, you splash a lot. But now you can also hit pretty decently with the Shadow too. Because I think the Shadow is already okay. But now Shadow is probably going to feel even better. If for whatever reason you miss your hammers and you don't have uh you don't you don't have surge on you, so you can just T-bow it. Or you wouldn't T-bow your shadow instead. Yeah, I so. think that's a great change. Unsure if when they say they're reducing the magic defense, if that means they're gonna reduce the magic level, because the defense is based on uh oh wait, no, never mind. I'm being stupid. It's based on his defense, so yeah, it's fine. <laughs> oh jeez, I just I just realized I'm done. Um now, the other one, I didn't really think much of it until my friend uh, Oki pointed it out in uh, my comments. And he was talking about how you could potentially just skip going for secondaries and just use the seconds from ice if it gives you enough seconds for, like, prep. So that means as prep, you could just get the planks that you need, maybe get some lockpicks, and then just start chopping. Um, I was thinking maybe you could, uh, as prep, since... You should, for the most part, get it done. You could maybe just, even regardless of how much Ice Demon actually drops regard secondaries, you can maybe just chop a little bit just to help the last person that lights your brazier because last person usually dumps the lowest amount because once you see your last, you should probably dump if you have 18 in your inventory. So they can kind of help Ice Demon come out a bit sooner if they chop like a tiny pit and then fill up the brazier. But um, yeah, this change could potentially make it where prep could actually chop a lot more to make ice team and come out sooner because the more killing you throw on the brazier the faster it uh, makes them pop out similar to grubs and uh, thieving cool speaking of thieving all right it's the same thing like having it where the grubs are stackable just means you would just start thieving as soon as possible when you enter the room yeah that so, would be nice so what you would do is you just have your team splitting. You would enter the room and they would just start splitting up. So you have like kind of your own kind of designated split to go into their good little corners with their four chests. So that seems like, I feel like that's going to be really cool. Again, it's going to make banking a little bit easier too, because now it's just you dump. And then once the room is done, then you focus on banking the items you don't need instead of having to be worrying about where your items are and then hitting, you know, withdraw all and then just trying to find your items it just makes your life so much easier and then the big change well it's a big change but this one's also a big change getting one minimum grub per chest is pretty nice now i am not against making that room just end super fast but i think this change altogether is going to make it fast regardless so yeah one one grub i think it's fine um, if they really want to make it fast, just make it whatever your minimum is. So, like, 95 would just be two. So, like, so so far, the changes are 
that pitch have been good. And then Vanguard's the standardized potion drop is probably the big change for solos because if you don't get revites, you're not going to have a good time at Vespula. So now it just means you can use revites to get through Vespula a bit sooner and you won't have to flick like a madman at all anymore because I feel like two revites on their own is going to be pretty good. And the enhance too. Enhance is pretty nice, but I feel like in solos you don't really need it. It's more for teams. Um, I'm not really sure what else there is to say regarding that. So I'm going to banger, uh, Bossa. Uh, adding an overload drop. I mean, no complaints there. I think that's nice. But I wasn't expecting them to want to adjust Bossa's defensive capabilities. So they wanted to reduce. There are two ways of doing it: uh, reducing the range defense of both CM and normal, or adjusting the healing mechanic, um, where it only heals if you don't destroy Crystal in X amount of time. The second change, the healing one, I think would benefit you more if you have low DPS. So if you're low range, you don't have really good weapons, that it might benefit you because then the boss won't heal as much. But the overall reduction in defense, I think would benefit just speedrunners and just speedrunners and then players that don't have good DPS all around. Because, well, for those people that bring ZCVs, they have better odds of one-shotting them with the no-crystal strat Sending ZCVs at the start with Venge Bomb to hopefully kill it before it reaches the crystal. Um, but I don't know what's better for solos. If the second change would be better because healing can really cuck you. Or the first change since you're going to be hitting more consistently. I'm not sure. I, I personally would favor the first change more. But um, th that's just my team bias speaking, okay? Yeah, no, I think and that, that that's good to have this team perspective because i feel like me and uh, you know uh, several other people i've had on the cast like mainly do solo stuff it's good to have that team perspective. yeah cool i mean they could have both but then it would i feel like it would maybe make the room a little bit easier but then again there's still the core of killing the crystal killing it fast so you don't get teleported and then of course dodging boulders which is more of a it is di more difficult in teams than it is solos because you have to be really aware of your team positioning, especially on the final bow shot. That is the easiest way to get PK to running away from the crystal too. So, yeah, I think that even if you make him a little bit squishier, the the identity of our room is not going to change and the boss is still going to be kind of scary. Okay, cool. Okay. Mudadal, the second problem... <laughs> Or the second big problem, because first it's stacked on, and then there's Metadow. The room right at the end of CMs. I was kind of surprised that they wanted to lower the variance in the chops, so it just means that you can't have nuclear chops anymore, but your chops are going to be more consistent. So, not really complaining about that. I think I'm okay with that. I like consistency more than, like, big variance. Um, is this one I'm not sure about? I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure about this next change. Which is removing the immunity, which if I am reading this correctly, that means you can kill Mudadal before it even gets to touch tree. So that 40% immunity where it's like immune for 20 seconds, mm -hmm. you can kill him. Like you can just straight up just kill him. Yeah. So that would mean the strat now would be um for let's say prep, they could bring spellbook swap barrage, free small mutt, and then someone brings his just for big mutt, and you just hope you don't miss. So you have to be ready to double spec. So I don't know because it's. I feel like chopping the meat tree is such a. It's such a cool kind of skill to have. 
And just to kind of get rid of it for this freeze thing with no penalty just feels weird because there is reason to freeze them. It's more for masses because in masses you'll take so much more damage. So freezing them is just better overall in masses, but in like small teams and solos, it's faster for you to chop the tree because you're going to get through that tree faster than um, having to wait out to 20 seconds of having him frozen. So, so so this change would make it so small teams don't even chop. Like you would you would want to just DPS the fuck out of both Mudadiles. Yeah, pretty much. It would be just bring freezes and just DPS the DPS them before uh they unfreeze, which is easy easy as hell to do. Shadow just shreds small mud and then Tivo obviously shreds big mud. So, okay. Yeah, so I mean, personally now, I'm going to take your word for this stuff because you do a lot more of this. Um, I don't like immunity at all. I don't like it when anything yeah. has immunity partially. But I do understand that just entirely removing the meat tree mechanic would be also a detriment to the room. Because it seems to be something that's has some sort of, I don't know, benefit to, the I don't know, the variance of the... Or just the variety of what you're doing in that room instead of just DPSing the hell out of it. So... Would it be better that, um, yeah, like what would you suggest? Because I think we're probably both on the same page that immunity itself feels bad, but getting rid of the chopping also would feel bad. Uh, two things I could probably see, but this is obviously artificial and artificial doesn't mean good. It can kind of feel bad as having some form of maybe damage reduction where you could still kind of kill it before it unfreezes. But it just means that uh, if you don't kill the meat tree, it might take slower, or it might just be on. It would pretty much be on par with killing the meat tree. So now you have two options: you can either chop the tree and then uh, kill it, so you lower it down to like close to forty percent, and then kill it when the tree's dead. Or now you can just stay away from the tree, which means you take less damage because you can kind of hug the south wall where Mama can't hit you with magic attacks, and then you just freeze it. Uh, the only downside there is that you would probably be sacrificing one space. But then it's like, now we're kind of on par with each other where it's not like one or the other, where one's just 100% better because, yeah, I'm thinking that's, it feels 100% better just bin axes. Everyone can bring more potions down with them. Like, it See, just sounds better. Now now but, I'm starting now I'm starting to lean the way where, yeah, maybe, maybe it's not as important to uh, have the chopping the tree that essential to the room what if i mean it it will still be essential for i'm assuming solos just so you you know you you probably can't do a spellbook swap right there it would probably be a solo thing (laughs) yeah but i'm i would actually be okay with it just being a dps fest like just let's fucking annihilate this dude as fast as possible i think that actually could be could because then it actually encourages like your best spec weapons probably zcbs but it's like just Going in there and annihilating it, which I think is actually just overall, generally speaking, in most situations, a fun mechanic to just decimate. Rather well, than when you put it like that, yeah, it's going to feel better if it's a DPS freeze, but it's just there's freezes, so you can just freeze it and you have all the time in the world to just kill it. Um, I only feel a bit strongly about the tree because, again, I've potted 2,000 raids and I feel like it's a part of that room's identity. So it just feels kind of weird to just get rid of it or just pretend it's not there anymore because and you can just freeze it since it's just better speed wise because the the penalty was if you ignore the tree and you just froze 
okay, you don't take as much damage. The room is done slower. Like it just adds 40 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So, well, what yeah, if, know. what if, um, I'm just trying to think. Like, like I'm, I wouldn't be completely against it. It's just like I'm kind of in the middle because I'm completely fine with the chase, but at the same time, I'm like, hmm, well, <laughs> what do we do with this meat tree? It's just, it's just chilling there. It's just taking up space. Well, the meat tree, yeah, like, but what you said is like there would still be situations where it would, like, you would need to chop it in solos, maybe even like yeah. duos or, you know, whatever you're doing. Um, just because you're not going to be able to kill Mudadile fast enough for it to even get there and eat up. Anyway, so you're going to chop it. So, yeah, my I, I think I'm leaning. This is just my own personal opinion. I think I'm leaning on just yeah, letting it be a, a decimation fest. Um, yeah, that just feels good. Understandable. Everyone's going to have an opinion, right? Yeah, like, my yeah. opinion might not even be the right opinion. It's just my opinion. No, I, I totally <laughs> understand, though. Like, when you're just removing mechanics. I mean, look at Vespula, for example. I... Wasn't Vespula supposed to have these things where, like, feed the grubs to the whatever? I don't even know what the fuck the point of that room was initially. But it it eventually just turned into, very quickly, just kill the portal as fast as possible and get out, get the hell out of there. Um, See, yeah, but the thing was, the only reason that happened was because of an oversight of how the boss works. It has a defense mechanic where if you attack the portal and it wakes up, it starts stinging you. But the thing is, it doesn't do that really bad sting unless you're right beside it. So people, um, I don't know who originally found it. I just first saw it in that Wooks when he was soloing. They just started doing redemption method and just straight up hitting the portal. And you would kill it, depending on the scale, faster than the grub would pop out. So it's just like, yeah, this method's still there, but you can do this. And it's like, there are benefits to doing both methods, but most people will obviously do redemption method because the DPS is typically good enough these days. To just kill it before the grab pops out. Yeah, so. I th I think that should be the same, uh, like the same view as the Mudadile room. Like, you could still chop it; it's going to make the room more consistent. Because if you don't, if if somehow you freeze it and you don't kill Mudadile and it unfreezes and starts eating the tree, you're gonna, yeah, it's going to fully heal. And what if like Mudadile just heals really, really quickly with it? I mean, and I, I know it already does, but. Yeah, it heals up so much. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's fine, though. Well, there's obviously other players to talk about this with, but okay. Usually when it unfreezes, so it won't go back to the tree after it unfreezes because it's like setting a timer. And if it's unable to eat the tree in that timer, it just says, screw it. I'm just going to attack you guys. And then by that point, you can attack Metadal again. That's true. So I wonder if they would change that or if they would just keep They'd probably just keep it. You're right. Yeah, we'll see what they do. Like, at the end of the day, I'm not going to, you know, get my pitchfork or anything like that. Bring back the meat tree, because I don't care that much. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'm just happy we're getting all these changes. All right, let's move away. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One more thing I need to mention regarding Metadai. I almost forgot. Reduction of the damage. This is the one that people have complained the most about. And with good reason, too, because even in teams, you could be at 100 HP and you could die. Like, you could literally be at full HP and die, and there's nothing you can do about it. Even when you're double brewing, you will just die. And it just sucks because <laughs> it feels like there's no counterplay to it. Because you'll just be standing next to you. I'm just going to range you. Hit you a 60. And then the mage attack comes through and just hits you like a 29. And then it happens again. And then you're just like, yeah, I love this game. Yeah. So, uh, regarding their suggested changes, um, they have four. Uh, reducing the attack speed, lower the max hits. 
increase the damage reduction offered by correct protection prayers. And then I think this is the one I like the most. They said they enjoy this one too. It is making the attacks more predictable. Um, I would be okay if they did a combination of the two again, like increasing your damage reduction on correct prayers and making it where it's more predictable because if you're paying attention, then the room, you won't get railed as hard. So I honestly would be happy with that. But what if it again, was, if what if it on. was just if you're in melee range, it guarantee melees you. And if you're not, I mean, it'll guarantee range you. Because this is all be about the I, I, wouldn't that kind of solve it? Yes, it would make it like significantly less damage because you literally know exactly what it's gonna do, but that I feel like that would fix everything. The other thing too is his uh, inconsistent walk. He has a really weird uh, pattern. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like um, he'll do an attack and then he'll move to a designated tile. He'll do an attack, move to a designated tile. So he'll like randomly pick a tile in the room. And if it's like away from you, he'll like attack and then step away. And then <laughs> if he wants to bail at you and he's like already far away, he's just going to start walking toward you, stop, walk back. It's like <laughs> yeah, I've so seen. weird. It's, it's weird. like um, the best way I've described Monodile outside of the fact that he's beating you up like a pinata for all your brews is he's like 1013 LMS champion. <laughs> you don't know what he's going to do to you, dude. It's so dumb. So. That's true. Just something to make a, you know, a little bit more predictive would probably be good. So I'm just happy that they're addressing it with some of the changes here. Yeah. Okay. What What's next? Uh, Vespula adding an overload drop, which is good. All the overload changes means as a prepper in CM5, so you don't have to pick Nox for anymore. Um, I said that on a tweet. And then <laughs> I was like, in the back of my head before I sent the tweet, I was like, I'm hoping that Mod Knox doesn't read this because I read it back and it said Knox. I'm like, oh God, please don't. And then like later I read it this morning and there's a reply from him. I'm like, fuck man, damn it. <laughs> I wasn't what I meant. It just, I don't have to make over those anymore. Okay. I, I... <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, there's also the other change, which is tweaking vegetable without impact redemption method, which I was like, why but okay i'm not like against it but i was just like does they really need to change this maybe just to make it more friendly for people that aren't doing redemption methods so the guys that are just getting into raids or haven't really watched many videos just they're just new to it because they're reducing or some of the things i want to do is reducing the damage from vespa's normal attacks and poison reduce the speed at which vespine soldiers heal the vessel portal and of course increase the time for the soldiers to actually spawn uh which would in turn also buff redemption method because now you have even more time to kill the portal before the soldier spawn. And if a soldier spawns, then you have an easier time out DPSing the heal. Since those are things that can happen sometimes if your DPS is bad in five. So I'm I'm all for it. I was just scratching it. I was like, huh. But I guess it's more like a noob friendly change. So I'm not against it at all. Cool. Shut up. Oops. Okay. And then the last is the two changes to own. This one is great because oh, I cannot count on my hand the amount of times where it just spams back-to-back peeling pulls. It is so annoying. So just culling that all together is nice. We're just not having word spams. I'm not sure if it's going to be like a one attack cooldown or two attack cooldown. But uh, regardless, it's still good. And then for solos, this is going to be so nice for people that are learning. 
or just when you're not sure where you are in the cycle and you're jumping on the melee hand, limiting the distance for teleports. Oh, man. It is so bad when you it literally puts it in the corner of the room because you're going to miss hits <laughs> and you're going to take a billion damage, especially yeah. if you go for perfect ulm. So, honestly, great change. I think yeah. like those two changes are not the biggest changes. Ulm doesn't need many changes, but those two changes, perfect. Like That is like the, the topping on the ice cream cone, dude. Perfect. The, the only thing... Okay, now I need to ask you. What are your thoughts on scuffed and unscuffed Ulm? where crystals hit you before they've even hit the floor. So the only reason that happens is because of uh, how they have it coded. There's something called controllers. Um, let me, I'm trying to think of a good way to explain this because I think... Hmm. Okay, so let's use like two numbers. Okay, so all these controllers with different IDs and stuff for things happening in that raid have different numbers. So let's say Ulm is a number 10. And then all the stuff after that's like a number 11. It's going to process Ulm stuff first and then the stuff after afterwards. So if the order is different because of stuff spawning at certain times, because there's a certain number, once it overflows, it goes back to zero. Then that's when you have the scuffed and unscuffed Ulms. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure if there's a real easy fix for it. And if there is, I would love that. Honestly, I feel that the timing for dodging crystals should be what unscuffed ulm is because it can be pretty bad to dodge those crystals on bad ping um if it's just a normal timing that's just my opinion though that's I know some my that is that is completely my opinion as well i think it's uh, what what irritates me to no end is watching like a beginner doing ulm feeling like they're trying to dodge a crystal and of course they're on shitty ping because they're on some like mass raid with you know, <laughs> yeah they don't they don't know better and it, it's I mean, it wouldn't even help if they did know better, but they really are trying. They're very, like, they're losing so many ticks trying to dodge these crystals, and they can't do it. Like, literally, they're trying their very hardest to dodge these crystals. The shadow that's underneath them, they have that one tick to dodge it. But, of course, because of ping, it, you know, it actually takes them two ticks to move. And then they get fucked up a 16 because they didn't move in time. It's like, this is ridiculous. This needs to be addressed because just, I mean... Just imagine if Toa had this system where you're at the very oh, end of Toa and the yeah. shadows are now hitting you a tick earlier. Like, what the fuck? That would be so irritating. That'd just be unbelievably irritating. And yeah, I'm wondering how they solved it for other content because I don't really see that issue too much. Um, there are a few instances where you might see something like that. Uh, for example, at Zuck, some people speculate it's like a 1 in 4K. But if you you know if you relog, it kind of scuffs the shield, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can naturally scuff by one in four K. So really, yeah, it happened to me when I was going <laughs> through a shit. GM speed run. That and I, uh, would be horrible. I didn't die. I didn't die, but I took two balls and I was like hella confused. I did not get the time on that run. That was like a few seconds off. One in four thousand to happen. So what is what's happening? Do you know the internal like what's happening? Um, something something regarding the IDs of stuff. So again, the whole thing with controllers and NPC IDs. It's the same thing with like scuffed made into um mm. just because of how npcs interact it's all based on like order so it'll i think it prioritizes the lower numbers first so they'll always act first and then any numbers after that will act later so in regards to maiden right maiden is the first thing that spawns in that room so obviously the npcs are supposed to act 
later. But if it overflows, then you're going to have scuffed spawns, meaning, uh, yeah, it just, it just stuff will be scuffed. I, I think that's how it works. Might okay. be the other way around, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I need I need someone from someone to explain it better than me because <laughs> yeah, they no, do no, a better that's... job explaining it. And based on Jagex's archaic code that they use for old school, I bet it's the biggest hassle ever to just fix that. So yeah. I feel like it's really I mean, with this whole era of trying to change chambers, I feel like that would be such a positive change to get rid of that bullshit of scuffed and unscuffed. No, I agree. I just, again, don't know how hard it'd be to, for them to fix yeah. that. All right. 42 asks, well, he has a three different things. TOA gets a lot of shit for not having the most depth at high invocations. How much do you think that's justified? And where do you think it has good depth? Um, I honestly think it's pretty justified for people to say that. Not necessarily depth. It just there's not a lot of variety with how it plays feels things pretty much play the same and the one place it doesn't play the same is probably like a monkey puzzle but there's a lot of things about that puzzle that just kind of suck with how things are spaced out as well as just i feel like they're pretty tanky uh that monkey change where you can get the volatiles on them was such a good change i'll admit that right now mm -hmm. um but other than that it's just it feels like you're just doing the same thing over and over again. And there's not really much subtle changes between uh, encounters. So that's at least how I see it. Um, there are some really cool things such as butterfly. Um, and I think like calculating all the different hits that you need to do to kill the core is always cool too. But once you figure that out, you figured it out. You just do the same thing over and over again. Uh, the red cures. I thought the red cures was one of the coolest things about TOA to be honest. Not sure if that'll ever like come out of the raid, but just having it where you organize. All right, I'm gonna spec right here, guys, and you guys spec right after. I thought that was hella cool, and I would love to see something like that make it outside of the raid because um, I don't know. Like I feel like when it comes to PVM, we have everyone's DPS role. We need more debuffers. We need more tanks. We need more stuff like that. So presenting these kind of cool roles that feel like they have a different impact compared to, you know, your normal DPS role, I think is good. I think it's really good. So mm -hmm. I will say that TOA definitely did a lot of things pretty well. Um, number two, playing on a new account, it makes me also realize how good of a raid it is for people that are just like getting into raids. It really is the entry level raid. So it is good in that aspect. It's just replayability can get kind of stale for endgame players because they're always looking for something that feels challenging, um, something enticing, and something that feels different from run to run. But it yeah. just feels like it's probably not too many things that is not just too like a lot of skill ceiling, I guess is the best way of putting it. Yeah, I was actually just thinking, like, would it... Well, first of all, we don't have overloads in the game yet. Or even a yeah. divine that's, you know, for for all combat. Um, yeah. Which I, I personally think would be, like, the best variant of an overload. Just have a divine that does everything. But the thing is, we already have a saturated heart at this point. So it's like, eh. Yeah. I mean, you're... First of all, what are your thoughts on the saturated heart? Like that. First of all, I just gotta say, it's like the most. It's 110 mil right now, by the way. 
Jesus. It's the most insane quality of life this game has ever fucking got. It's literally just having a divine super combat, basically. Just click it whenever you want, and it's just fully boost again. Like, what the fuck, man? I mean, I like it, but I'm just sitting there like, this just feels different compared to everything else. <laughs> I know. It's, I mean, I don't actually have a problem with it, mainly because it just kind of came out, and it's just like, okay. like yeah. it, it came out, like, incrementally, where it's like, we already have an imbued heart, which already feels like, okay. But it... It has its downside where it slowly tapers off, but this is just permanent 112 mage. The the downside, of course, with this is if you brew down, there's no way for you to get back to that 112 unless you uh, drink like an ancient brew, and that still will not get you back to the original level. So it's like you kind of forced to not brew when you're using it, or you're just going to lose the effect from it. Yeah, it's true, but I mean... Yeah, I don't feel like it's that big of a deal because you can. Yeah, it's just... not a big deal because you just bring hard food to most of the time. Exactly, or just yeah, just redemption or something. Just do anything to yeah. not brew. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on an overload in general? So I'm talking overload where every like bigger boosts over the 118 that we're used to and like so where everything shoots up to like a 125 or maybe. Oh wow! Uh, like again, this is just thinking of like chambers overloads I, I and it doesn't need to be that i'm just wondering what your thoughts are in general with overloads being brought to the surface of gilinor where it really is kind of what we see with chamber stuff it doesn't have to be as high of boosts but i guess you can kind of talk about that then all right so i'm a pre-eoc player so i have seen the effect of overloads or it literally just kind of ruled the game. It was everywhere. It was absolutely everywhere. But then again, there wasn't raid content or dungeons or anything like that where we had overloads and stuff like that. So bringing in overloads would probably be one of the biggest ways to change the game. And if they were to introduce it, I would probably hope that it would be something that you really have to work toward to be able to make. Maybe make it like a reward scroll or something like that to get the recipe for it. Or just make it where you have to really grind for the recipe to get it. Um, I would personally be fine if it came into the game. Hell, they could even do like, a, you know how in Chambers they have like the, the weak one, the strong one, and the really strong one? Yeah. They could even do something like that too, honestly. And that wouldn't be as bad. Just really gotta and make it where if you're using an overload, uh, one, it's it's gotta be hard to obtain. Or at least the scroll. And then maybe with an overload coming into the game this could really introduce different skilling methods to get the stuff to make the overload because i remember in pre-oc there were grenwalls to make the extreme ranging potions for it so would be an excuse to introduce a lot of different things i know they've already introduced the was it the remedy the menify remedy so they've already added stuff that will potentially be a recipe or for the recipe for the overload mm -hmm. um so I think they have it on their, their backlog of something they could potentially add in the future. So I'd be okay with it. I just hope that it's not something like... Uh, okay, my, my main issue is Herbler as a main doesn't feel very important because in Chambers, I mean, most stuff drops overloads anyway, so you might not necessarily need it, uh, even in CM5s. Especially with those changes there, pitching there, where you're getting even more overload drops. So I think that there should be incentive to train the skill. So if overloads were to come into the game, make those bad boys untradeable and just make it where 
you have the different tiers, like the three tiers, so that if you don't have super high herbal lore, then you can still make a decent version and get some decent stats off of it. It's something that you can kind of like grind grind toward for the, the, the good overload. You know, the one that gives you the super combat stats or the super 120 stats, you know? Yeah. Now I was thinking, uh, and of course this would come out in the future. Now I don't know how to perfectly balance it. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe it really is, you know, keep everything. Like just have one pot where it boosts your melees by 118 or to 118 and then range and mage to 112. Although I wouldn't really be against them shooting up in i'm talking years from now um shooting up super combats to 120 or the melee stats to 125 and then range and mage just go to 118 or something like that where melee still is the highest but i was thinking like you know what if instead of making like the potions untradeable what if it was somewhat attached to brewing where like the process is arduous so like the people that are really wanting to make overloads are going to make money like that becomes a process of itself you got to get the ingredients do the brewing process that maybe takes like i don't know a 24-hour thing where you could just uh, across gill in order to go to the brewing things how you make those and then that becomes its own like method and they're fully tradable so you know mains can just enjoy them they could just pay a huge fee for them I, i'd imagine the overloads would probably cost like you know 70k each or something just ridiculous but I don't know. I this is something I haven't really thought of that much. I just kind of brought it up. Um, personally, I like the yeah, yeah, I like the idea it. of brewing. Like that sounds like a, a really cool way to introduce like super strong potions, like a stronger super combat, a stronger range pot, stronger mage pot, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, prove this long process, and maybe well, we all know that brewing exists just for alcohol, but that doesn't really see much use outside of a animation stalls yeah. so honestly that would be a really cool way to introduce something new into herblore and on top of that it would also allow for uh you're not doing the normal way of making potions then it makes sense why the stats might be different for like maybe like 95 97 98 because we already have a uh, look at the skill guide right now uh oh, hold on like 98 uh oh, 97 Divine Super Comet's already 97, so what, would an overload be at 98 then if we were to make it normal, or would it be 99? Like, I don't know if there's much room for that, especially if it's going to be a better potion, so it doesn't make sense for it to be lower. Yeah, imagine it's level, like, 103, so you have to eat a botanical <laughs> pie every time. Yeah, I mean, that's also <laughs> no. true. The botanical pie is there, too, so if it's 98 or 99, it wouldn't be that bad, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's... Which is one of those things. Um, personally, like, this is my own personal thing. Is like, I think it would be cool to have a divine that is everything. So you just have one pot that does a super, a full super combat, super range, and um, a super magic that boosts to one twelve. Yeah. So he... it's, so it's just one inventory. Now you. I don't know. I, I just think that would be really cool. So for the situations where you are like full tribriding or you just want, e- even like in Inferno, I'm imagining is like you need the range and the super combats. Like you could just have one pot for it. It would still do a mage yeah. boost, but you don't need that. Um, so yeah. they pitch or they pulled the totality potion back on top release. I don't remember how much it uh, failed by, mm. but I feel like in this day and age, a lot of things are just easier to pass. Not even with just 
change in the poll thresholds. I just feel like people are more accepting of like change these days. So if they were to repost something like a totality potion, um, where it's like all those potions, it doesn't have to be divine, but like just that one potion that boosts all your stats, you could probably see it passing now. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, what are your thoughts on them bringing to the service of Gilinor things like adrenalines? Um, are we talking like straight out of TOA or how they were in pre-EOC? What were they like in pre-EOC? I'm unfamiliar. 25% spec per sip and you're put on a one minute cooldown before you can sip another one. Inch and it's a four dose? Or it six is a four dose, It was yeah. probably a six dose in our side. I don't know if that was Yeah. Okay. You could get a six dose with the flasks, but... Okay, so four it, dose, um, 25 each, and it takes a minute. I think with how metas are with inventories, mm -hmm. they would really make things interesting because now the question is, do I bin something for extra spec? Because that extra 25% spec, 50% spec for the counters might be that extra ZCB you need. It might be that extra Dawnbringer spec you need. It would really add some interesting play if they were to add something like that i think that'd be cool if they brought in the adrenalines because the current adrenaline potion we've seen in toa okay that shit too strong like i think that's too strong so having <laughs> it specialized in toa which i should have mentioned that's also really cool about toa i think that is okay that's the nice thing about doing content like introducing these really cool things is you can really play around with stuff and just keep it isolated there localized yeah so, some stuff I could see it being unlocalized, like the Red Cures. But uh, if we were to bring something like the pre-EOC Adrenalines, I would be okay with that. I don't think it'd be overpowered. Um, I don't think you could use it in the Wilderness, though. Like, you couldn't use it in the Wilderness, if I recall correctly, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Okay, so I, I actually think that would be really cool. I think RS3 did it really well, then, if it's just yeah. a four-dose pot. It takes a minute for it to cool down, and you get 25 so the whole pot itself is 100 extra. And it takes up an inventory spot. Yeah. So it's... That'd be awesome. It really, That'd be cool. It would really spice up just metas in general. Like, inventories are already crowded as it is. So it'd be really cool to see what people come up with. Um, mm -hmm. I would probably do some dumb stuff with that too. But yeah, I would, I would really like to see that. And what about Ambrosia? No, I'm kidding. Dude, if they brought out Ambrosia into the <laughs> fucking main game. First of all, I think Ambrosia, even in TOA, is just ridiculous. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. I, I, it's, it's just, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's just like full reset, 125 HP, 100, like full run, full everything, full prayer, like Jesus. I mean, it, 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 it feels great to sense. drink don't get me wrong but yeah. like holy shit in expert runs it honestly kind of makes sense to have it because it is easy for you to get like zero to 100 in places like p2 warden if you make a mistake or even p3 p4 warden yeah. it's super easy to get zero to 100 so this kind of is like your panic button um you can also use it aggressively too because if you want to like double vange into p2 
you just sip your ambrosia afterwards in case the specials come in just to be safe. So it can be used very defensively. It can be used aggressively. Um, I think for the sake of TOA, it made sense to have a potion like that. It's just there isn't a lot of instances where you're going to be facing a lot of 0 to 100s in this game. Obviously, Chambers has 0 to 100s. Uh, Todd has 0 to 100s. But uh, there's a lot of setup required for that to happen. Like Tom, uh, Frizzic Melee, maybe a green ball on top of that. Uh, Ulm, Flame Wall into a Lightning Strike into an Ulm Auto. I could see stuff like that. But it's much harder for that to happen if you play it correctly. Whereas TOA, I think it's kind of easier to make a mistake and then all your HP's gone. Okay, I want to ask you unironically. Now, this obviously cannot be involved in any pvp situation but yeah would it be okay to have ambrosias in the game in the surface oh, game shoot. because now um, that i'm thinking about it i don't think there's ever really a place where like besides inferno but even inferno you can get one shot like zuck can just fuck you up the jads can still fuck would, you up at 100 you would maybe use an ambrosia at healers if the hp drops instead of something like a peanut but uh i feel like people don't even bring stuff anymore right do they even bring peanuts anymore or is it just like you just so, hold on balls and just hope you don't die? Wait, sorry, to where? For Inferno Healer Jadskip. Uh, I mean the, the runs I see Scotty do. He doesn't bring shit. I think he occasionally yeah. brings a, a Phoenix necklace, but he'll usually so, use it during the waves. Um, you would use. You could bring that then as like your Plan B if things are going pretty poorly. So um, if there's a limit of how many embraces you could have, like one or two. I could see it not being bad to have. Um, again, the, yeah, pe people would be using it probably in the aggressive sense in speedruns. <laughs> so they would come up with some stuff to bring up their HP so then they could tank more Avengers and stuff like that. They just have to figure out the rooms they want to do it in because if you're limited to one Ambrosia or two Ambrosias, then yeah. So I'm thinking of all the places where this is actually incredibly busted first infernal first infernal capes first of all would just be stupid i mean <laughs> just imagine bringing an entire it well this is speaking of ambrosias as they are in toa i think if if there were to be something in the surface that was like ambrosia it could it could only heal you up to 99 hp and maybe it yeah. doesn't even do prayer maybe it doesn't do run it's just a, a shoot up to 99 hp um yeah and it would have to be in a very expensive potion something like 200k per pot or something that's just like, okay, you're not using these unless... But even then, I mean, can you imagine you're just a total fucking noob at the Inferno just running in the middle, getting fucked by everything, just panic spam these Ambrosias? Like, oh, literally invincible. I mean, yeah, I, I no. think... Uh, I don't know how hard it'd be to code it where you can only have one pot in your inventory, but otherwise, I think... Nah, that, that's weird. That. That, that would be a weird yeah. restriction at that point. So, I could see, like, a potion flask or something that has quote-unquote special potions because these concoctions it can't be held in special glass because that shit will break so you got to put that shit in like some hella special stuff that we've made but you can only have one at a time like a pouch so i could see that but that's just me like thinking of something on the spot if they were to do ambrosias because like i said having a full envy of ambrosias just running it down inferno sounds so hilarious but it's just at the same time we'll trivialize stuff yeah now, I mean, I actually think it would be kind of like, I'm just thinking of something 
something that needs an item sync first of all onyxes i what if yeah. what if like an ambrosia in game came out and it literally takes a full onyx to make the potion like you have to crump you have to yeah. dust up Crumble an onyx. Pestle mortar. yeah <laughs> Yeah, and then it, it so the potion is literally. I mean, the prices would probably. I think onyxes are like under a mil at this point, but they would probably shoot up back to like two mil or something potentially. Oh, so you yeah. got a you got a pot that's worth two mil, so you really don't want to drink it. But now you have a great sink where, like, okay, are you an expensive? Or are you a rich motherfucker that just wants to get your infernal cape? Like, all right, you can drink these ambrosias. You could. I actually now that I'm thinking about it. If it was that expensive, I actually think it would be justified because in Inferno, yeah. for example, which is the only place I'm really thinking that it would just be really busted, it still isn't busted enough because you can still get one shot by Jads and Zuck. Mm -hmm. So I actually – now, I don't think the Ambrosia should be as powerful as in TOA. I think maybe it should just boost all three of your stats, HP, Prayer, and Run Energy to 99. Like, boom, there you go. And uh, I, I'd i be okay with that, actually. I think that would be a really cool little panic potion that's like, fucking expensive. And, you know, each sip. I, I, I wouldn't even be against it being a four dose. But each dose you drink, Ooh. each dose you drink would cost 500K. I mean, Onyxes could even shoot up at that point to the point where Onyxes are now actually you know three mil again. Actually, I don't know because they're dependent on chaos rune prices. So maybe there is just right. that. There could also be a boss that drops like the onyx dust itself. So that way it's like um, you could just break down the onyxes or you can kill this boss for a chance of the onyx dust drop for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That could actually be a really cool onyx sink and uh, a really cool, just really busted potion that. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should sprinkle Zenites in there too. Why not? You know? Dude, this, you know what? <laughs> you know what they should use for a Zenite? First of all, I'm surprised they don't have Zenite tipped bolts yet. Yeah. Wasn't that the one that um isn't there something in RS3 that they've done with Zenith? Uh, I think it's called Hydrix and I think it restores your adrenaline, uh, which is those spec resources in that game. If it procs. Damn. So, so like by by like just twenty five or what? I don't know the amounts. All I know is that it gives you spec if it procs, if I recall correctly. So I don't know if we do the same thing in this game where it restores spec on use. Dude, Zenite tipped jewelry, and every time it procs, it yeah heals like twenty five spec. Like that'd be that'd be fucking cool. Be interesting. Yeah, I'm just wondering if you'd put a cooldown on it because just imagine if you get back to back procs. Oh, free D claw spec right there. Yeah, no, I mean, but the thing is, is most of the time a crossbow is never your best DPS anyway. So using it just to yeah. get that extra would wouldn't ever be worth it. Um. What are your thoughts? Okay, so DT2 came out, and every single one of those bosses drops javelins now. So what do you think's coming? Is there some new, like, crazy ballista coming out or a stationary ballista? I've, I've heard rumors, and I've kind of been making the rumor myself of, like, this somewhat of a cannon, like a stationary thing you set up that's a ballista, and it shoots out javelins. Well, you mean like a, like a BFG? What? What's ballista that? BFG? Um, so there's this weapon in a game called Doom, Doom Eternal. Like mm. all the Doom games have a something called the BFG, which stands for Big Effing Gun. And it was basically <laughs> a weapon that would well in the recent renditions it doesn't one shot them, but it really produces the HP of like the big bad enemies. But in the old game, it would send out a tracer 
and it would just start hitting enemies around you and just eliminate them. But in in this sense, right? I'm not thinking something like that in RuneScape. I'm thinking something yeah. like that just big does a lot of damage. That's what I'm so thinking. The the idea I was thinking is like something similar to a cannon, so kind of what you're thinking, but this would be one directional. So it's not constantly turning. You would set it up in one direction and it would only shoot what you're targeting. Or maybe it does spin, but it, it's mainly focused on just shooting what you've targeted. So it's not really about like the multi-scenario. So Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I think there is some potential, but at the same time, I think it would just be really cool to just see a new ballista come out that we can hold, even like a like a rapid ballista, like a I don't know. There's some something's gonna ballista be coming out soon. Done? Something's coming out soon, man, because there are so many oh. javelins being shot out in the game. I see you're being held by NDA to confirm anything. I understand. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just. <laughs> I don't. I don't know shit. I just. There's no way that every single one of the bosses just drops javelins. I don't know. Maybe I just feel like maybe they're just sitting there in their like conference room and they're like, hmm, "What's something we can add as a bad drop?" Oh, I know. Let's add some uh, piss poor javelins. We'll add the other javelins, the good ones for money, and then we'll add the piss poor ones because if you get them, then you feel sad. <laughs> Dude, what what is up with that? Like they always have just random troll drops, like bronze. N- uh, listen. Duke drops noted bronze chain bodies. What the fuck? <laughs> what is that? I feel, I feel like that's just the developers trying to torment us from time to time. Because rune swords exist in God Wars bosses. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's just a, a way to torment us with uh, but, RNG. But it's like, why couldn't it be more silly and just have it an unnoted one bronze chain body? Like, why is it 13 noted? Like, it's just, it's so odd. It's so goddamn odd, but yeah, whatever. I don't know. The, I don't know why they picked the number, but they just do. <laughs> okay, um, back to forty twos. That's the first point he had. Okay, second, uh, we already kind of talked about your uh, lore, but he says origin story, especially pre TOA blow up. What were we doing? Okay, so pre TOA blow up, I was potting CM fives, uh, but. I guess the big, big origin story, like the actual beginning was, so late Feb 2015, you know, I was just started playing the game again. Uh, so I played pre-EOC, and then EOC happened, and I was really salty about it, so I stopped playing the game altogether. I heard Old School was coming in, but then, uh, I again, I was still a bit salty, because I was like, all that work I put in, I had to start from scratch? Do that. Eventually, I just sucked it up, so 2015 hits, and I'm like, I'll play it again. Because the game before I was playing called uh, Dark Ribbit, all my friends were kind of quitting. So I didn't want to play anymore. I was only playing with my friends. Mm. So it was the excellent opportunity to play it. The team speak I was in had some RuneScape people. So me and them, uh, they dragged me into a clan. Both of them would, a week later, both get banned from the clan. But I stuck with the clan for a while. And I stuck with that clan for four years. And over time, I just, you know, just played the game. I felt like when I first played, my only incentive or the one thing I wanted to do was make money, whatever it takes. So I started off just redchins, 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 redchins. I was following the one-man army Bodhi series as my starting point of the game. Once he got the redchins, I just stuck with that the whole time. <laughs> and then I stopped once I hit 25 mil hunter XP and I had like 100 mil, 200 Jesus. mil bank. Yeah. But I stopped for one reason, because there was another better moneymaker at the time. 
So this is June 2015 now, um, and it was Zora. So I, of course, took breaks to do quests and progress my account a bit, but uh, Zora was where I really broke my bank, and I did that for a long time. Took breaks to do some God Wars in between, a little bit of corp with the boys in the clan, but for the most part, I was the guy in the clan known as the Zora bot because I just nonstop did Zora until I racked up to uh, like 6,752 KC because I wanted the pet. And then I got the pet. And then I continued doing it for a little bit on and off because uh, I needed the Tans mutagen. I got two magmas by 3,000, but I didn't get my first Tans until 9,161. Mm. But uh, once I hit 8K, I took a break. And then shortly after, they nerfed Zora drops. So I was glad I did 8,000 because I made quite a bit of money. So the last 1,000 case I needed to do for the Tans mutagen was for that. Uh, but yeah, I just did that. And of course, over the years, we had the releases like Chambers and Tob. So I did that with my clan. Uh, and I learned a lot. Eventually, I would be in Weed Raids for a bit. Uh, I, I, I just saw the post in Reddit and I was like, I really want to give this a shot. I want to go in there and see if I can help out because I always thought that was kind of cool to help out people. Uh, so I think I looked deeper into it. I saw the post again, joined the server. I went into one of those mentor raids and the guy in Valor, he was mentoring. Um, I asked politely if I could take over Omcoms. He said, sure. And then he was really, uh, he was really happy with how I performed and said, I should apply for mentor. But at the same, at the same time, I'm like seeing myself like, man, I don't know if I can handle that responsibility. Cause one, I'm running the social clan with some other people. I don't know. If I have the time for that. Eventually I said, screw it. I did it. Use that as an opportunity to kind of better myself when it came to teaching people PVM and stuff in my clan. So I just used mentoring as a way to improve myself and then uh, help out the others in the clan. Um, I did get a taste of what the Max F Chambers life was because some of the people in there were actually really good. Um, so I got introduced to 4 plus 1s and I wanted to make an ult to do 4 plus 1s. But uh, I didn't really get the, the real jump until after I got invited to top speeds, because that was when it was really time for me to understand what I was doing, how to improve, what to do, like switches, ticks, and all that stuff. And that would just take me years and years and years of potting like that. And here I am now. <laughs> uh, nice. I guess that's, yeah. that's the summary of the, the introduction before all the, the max level stuff and the speed runs and stuff. That's the, that's the still story. It's cool because I feel like a lot of people, maybe, you know, aspiring players don't really see that. They just see, you know, the great players that are super sweaty now. They they think they just were birthed that way. Just like, oh, you just no. start. It's like everyone was a noob at some point. I honestly, if I'm being honest, me as a gamer in general, I was always terrible at games. Like probably all my life, I was really bad at games. Um... Like, I don't know. It just felt like it was up until freshman year of high school, I'd say. That's when things started to make a turn where I actually had a better understanding of how to do thing like stuff in games. And I was starting to actually play better because when I was younger, I was just doing stuff for fun. I didn't have a really strong understanding of things. And I was just getting my butt kicked and I would just cry. I just cried like a little baby. <laughs> it's embarrassing to say that, but it's just, it's the truth, man. It's the truth. So yeah, it's like these years, as I grew older and older, I started 
just getting better and learning stuff. It's obviously it's a time investment, right? Yeah. I had to invest a lot of time to be where I am right now. I didn't just naturally wake up one day. I'm like, I'm going to be a CM God. No, 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 no. Hell, I don't even think I'm a CM God. I'm like, okay. I just caught it like 3,000 times. So that's why I could do it <laughs> kind of consistently. Yeah. But it's all it yeah, takes. That's, that's just practice. Thing. So to anyone that ever wants to get good, I'm going to tell you right now, obviously there is a little bit of a physicality required because you you have to click good. If you can't click good, you click slow, wrist pain, anything like that, it's going to hinder your play. You can still try to play around it with slow clicks, but you just have to really... Uh-oh, I don't know if you could hear that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, I heard that. Yeah, that was my dad. But uh, anyway, yeah, you just have to put a lot more thought into how you click and how you play if you click slower but honestly if anyone puts in the effort to learn put in the effort to practice um you can get good obviously it also relies on finding good teammates if you want to do team content uh my main suggestion is i started off in the social clan and i was in that clan for years i had the opportunity to meet people because of interacting in the communities i was in like weed raids and my social clan that helped me find the people that were on the same level with me who wanted to learn with me. So if you're able to find that group, you have to kind of stick your head out a bit and, you know, get out of the social space. I know it's the internet's a bit easier, but I know some people are kind of like a little bit silent. Like I'm like that IRL, I'm super silent, but you gotta, you gotta find that group of people that are willing to learn alongside you. Mm -hmm. Okay, his final one is reward space for Blue Inferno Coliseum or the Fortis Coliseum. Any so thoughts? I don't, yeah. dude, I don't know where I remember reading this. Like maybe it just came into me in a dream or something, or they mentioned it at some point, but I swear to God, one thing they mentioned was like a combo ring or something to combine rings. Um, I do not know how overpowered of an item that would be because just think about it like this. If you take two rings and you combine the best stats, so you don't combine the stats together, like two berserker rings. Or like mm. an Altor and a Berserker Ring, I'm thinking like you combine the best of the two stats together. I think I that would be kind of neat. Um, right now, I feel like Light Bear is incredibly strong in places like let's say CMs and or for uh, TOA especially in like teams of 300 speed runs or 400s. Um, the Light Bear is just super good. So. I don't know if they're if they're just gonna buff the other rings at some point, or if they're just gonna leave it as is and just have it where there is just preference to use the altor and the belladers and other rings and other content because it's just that light bear is just really strong. So I don't know if introducing some of like a combo ring would be a play because just imagine combining both of them, like two rings, light bear, altor together. Now that's a shisha right there. Yeah, I don't know. If, I I doubt they'll do that. Um, yeah. I mean, even I've talked about it, like this idea of like a second ring slot. It's incredibly busted, but... Um, <laughs> it would be really strong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but any other ideas on what they're going to bring? Honestly, I'm not sure. Um, could even do some of the stuff we mentioned earlier about like some of the potions and stuff, but uh, yeah. it would have to... I, I don't know. It, there is just so many different things that they could do. Maybe they could introduce new weapons, new armor sets, um, something niche. Uh, like, okay, if they if they did this, this would probably devalue living hell out of Torva, but 
something like Slash Inquisitor or Stab Inquisitor at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, unsure, <laughs> unsure how strong that would be. Uh, people would just be like, Blorva, don't need that, bro. I got my slashing right here, baby. So the, I don't know. I think I think the Coliseum is probably where they're gonna introduce the new fucking ballista. That's I I can just already see it. I can see the blog post already in my eyes. Just new ballista, three tick ballista. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll. Uh, one of the things I kind of wish they had more of was. Uh, better prayer gear i mean we have yeah we have proselyte and that's like really it i mean yeah you have monk's robe and stuff which is everything is zero stats but imagine they had something that's like not quite as good as masori but it's very prayer based it's like a huge prayer bonus or even like mage stuff that has super good prayer bonus or even like the equivalent of what bandos is so it's got that like lower strength, but it's got insane strength bonus or sorry, it's insane uh, prayer <laughs> bonus. Yeah, Just, I, I can see that. Yeah, I don't know because I mean there are situations, and of course this would not be for the super sweats. This would be for like the more casual, you know, players. But there are situations where you do want pra- a bunch of prayer bonus when you're ranging. But you just don't really have any options besides just wearing a fucking monk's robe. It, it could uh, be good for Slayer too. Yeah, yeah. So I would kind of like to see that. It wouldn't. It wouldn't outclass anything. It would just be a nice, like, chill setup. You know. Anyway. Yeah. Little thoughts. So Coliseum aside, because this is a part of Barlamore, I wanted to mention this. They're expanding on Barlamore, which probably means they're going to expand them to Zerg storyline. And I do remember them saying something along the lines of. You would want to remove the the need of a book of the dead with a new quest in that storyline. So part mm. of me is hoping that if they do add like a new grandmaster or a new master quest with uh, Varlamore, they make it where book of the dead is Gonzo because totally. that just, it just feels like an unneeded piece of space in your inventory, and it'll definitely allow for a little bit more variety with inventory setups in every piece of content honestly yep. it allowed people to bring spellbook swap setups a bit easier especially with the ring of shadows because that thing is a it's, it's a second rune pouch pretty much with the runes that are in there the blood the law the deaths like it's literally a second rune pouch that's interesting i've never actually seen that strat but yeah that makes sense yeah wow. i've started using it in cms it's kind of a masochistic strat which is uh bring it alongside me but when i have to relog i have to bank it otherwise i have no space in second floor or third floor mm. so it's like it's really neat it would be so much easier to do that without the book of the dead though so that's like fingers crossed that that thing gets binned at some point and i think a quest in varlamar would be nice but uh yeah uh that's a little bit of a sidetrack there no that i think but, that, that would be awesome yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. What kind of sucks is when you have an item like if you're a super mid level account, Book of the Dead is great because you that's actually your best in slot. You know, offhand, it's like okay, I'll just oh, yeah. use this. And then as soon as you get any upgrade or you're not using a one handed staff, it's just like okay, this thing is now just sitting permanently in my inventory. So totally yeah. agree with you. Get rid of that. Um. Okay. Let's see. All right, Duck Chris is asking, any tips for YouTube content people? Wait, any tips for YouTube content people like to watch besides guides? 
Um, yeah. I could maybe go off of what I enjoy watching. So, obviously, I feel like most people have seen these videos already, but the stuff like New Type has done is super good. I love watching his edits. The the music, just the, how he just puts everything together, especially the last one. The Leviathan one was a lot shorter than the other ones that he's done. Uh, well, not shorter editing-wise, but shorter length-wise. But how he goes about explaining the bosses um, and just the cinematic look of it, I think is always cool. Not every video has to be like a cinematic movie masterpiece, but that is definitely something that has drawn my attention a bit, as well as just pretty good explanations. So you were talking about earlier, Coxie series. Yep. I think they do a fantastic, like his editing team, Hootie, and I don't know the other person's name, but they do a fantastic job with explaining how... Uh, how to do those different methods. And I'm going to try to take some incentive too when I'm uh, working on my Grandmaster from Scratch series um, regarding how to complete the tasks. Maybe I'll do something brief when I'm explaining some bosses, but it's like, if I did that for every single boss that I did, that's going to take like five years. So I'd probably do like kind of a deep dive only on the bosses that I'm going to be spending a whole lot of time at, or maybe I'll do them for like different episodes type deal. So just really well put, well edited videos are always cool. Um, and of course, watching record videos too is always kind of neat. But the problem with the record videos is that it's just a VOD and you've just got some bangers playing in the background. And that's a, a bad thing. You don't really need that much, but I could really see a lot of like attention to high level stuff coming from people taking those videos and breaking it down and really putting a lot of editing power into making something look cool, like explaining the methods and doing it. Um, Vasitas, when he was doing his like top speedrun series, I thought that was kind of a good start. It would just need a little bit more editing quality. And that I feel like would have been like a masterpiece type of series to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's really much speedrun content with crazy amounts of editing um, when it comes to, you know, actually going for record times. It's just people put out their bots and stuff. Yeah. So it'd be kind of cool if we saw more of that. Um, not sure if that's an avenue that everyone wants to take. So uh, just keep that, pick that with a grain of salt. Um, but that's at least something that would interest me and probably would interest other people too. Um, but yeah, I, I think the main thing though is just trying to find something that's niche, something that hasn't been done yet. Or maybe making stuff that needs an update because there are plenty of guides that could probably use some love or updates because uh, a new equipment comes out, stuff becomes outdated. Um, and of course, every day editors continue to get better. So you can always like have take a spin at something or come up with some crazy series or restriction like tile man or chest locked or you know anything along those lines. Okay, uh, Lee Trevor asks, what motivates you to showcase players like Noob Type who are beast PVMers that fly under the radar? So the thing is, a lot of these players do not have platforms. They might have a Twitter, and they'll just be like, hey, look at this PB, or hey, look at this pet. But they don't stream. Uh, they don't make YouTube videos. A lot of them have some really cool insight on the game uh, as to how things should change or why they do the stuff that they do. So putting some spotlight on those kind of underground players is always cool because there are some insane gamers that people probably have never heard of. Um, unpredictable, 
is probably one of the few names like people love him in the high level space. But you go to some random guy, the GE, who the hell's unpredictable? Yep. So that was kind of the idea I had with uh, P Vammer Spotlight was going to all these different players and talking to them, seeing what their thoughts are, why they do their thing. Um, speaking of which, I actually had a plan to get the perspective of mobile players, specifically the mobile players who do stuff like Blorva on mobile and like just end game content on mobile. It kind of fell through because uh, one of the dudes left me on red, sadly, and the other dude said, uh, when I told him it would just be me and him, he was like, uh, he's going to do some hard mode top on mobile for a bit, and then he'll get back to me later. But I thought that'd be really good to talk to them because, uh, well, you don't really think much about mobile endgame players, so they would have provided an interesting perspective, especially because they um, released that beta recently for the mobile stuff, too. So it would have been really cool to hear their thoughts if they liked it or hated it. So that's the thing. It's like there's all these players, different parts of the game, Ironmen, endgame PVMers, speedrunners from different avenues. They might not get their voice across because they don't have a platform. Yep. So that's why I try to use that opportunity to do that, just to showcase all the different aspects of the game, whether it's like in the game or maybe even out of the game, trying to understand how it works or simulations and stuff like that. Because I thought simulations were really cool. I, I made a couple of simulations myself too because... It's a fun little project to do, really test your understanding of the game and Java. Yeah, or yeah. Just whatever programming language you do, so it's always yeah. it's always interesting seeing like especially like when Mulgoat was really on his uh speed running like short content um like short fights like Zora and GG's. Um just yeah. seeing like the like knowing what the exact math is behind this like okay you have a one in four thousand shot of hitting this record as long as you do this 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 and this like it's it's important too it's important too because you might not know if a method is worth doing until you actually run the sims because what you are you gonna napkin math zero crystal vasa and be like oh yeah this feels good we're definitely gonna get one (laughs) no you probably want to see the odds to see if is it realistic because in five man uh as of right now if you're bringing like missouri mask and all that stuff it's a 14% chance, which is still pretty low. But in a trio, instead of playing for the no crystal with like 6% chance or however much it calc it, um, you're playing for the one crystal. So consistency in that sense, because two crystal can happen in trios. So yeah, that, that was the main reason why I try to showcase these players. There are a lot of amazing people that people don't know about. So if I see someone that I think deserves some recognition or someone I talk to a lot, and I think they'd you know, maybe have some interesting stuff to talk about. I want to talk to them. Show them what's up. Okay. Do you think Jagex will ever release another PVM encounter that would push players like Inferno does? If you asked me before uh, Awakened Bosses, I would say no. Awakened Bosses probably give a lot of hope to people. So I'm going to say yes. I do have hope that they'll release something difficult like the Inferno. Not sure if that's what the Coliseum is going to be all about. I'm hoping the Coliseum is more focused on fun than just straight difficulty because um, with the whole, you know, I feel like it's going to be like a roguelike, if that makes sense. When they originally pitched it for the, what do you call it? Game Jam? Yeah, Game Jam. So for the Game Jam, they pitched it where it's like you have different buffs for yourself, but you have to pick like a debuff, aka buff for the enemies. You don't know what kind of stuff you're going to get every run. So this leaves so much room for different runs every time and just mastering all the different combinations sounds like 
so fun. Like that is the element of roguelike games in general, like Binding of Isaac or Nuclear Phone or Enter the Gungeon, which are just some popular roguelike games people play. I think that, of course, there's still room for it to be difficult. I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult, but um, I just feel like it's going to be more fun than anything. A uh, bit of a sidetrack, but yeah. I do think that they can definitely introduce hard content without just completely gatekeeping uh, new players to it. Because I felt like that was nice the nice thing they did with the Desert Treasure 2 bosses. They're still a little difficult, but they're still pretty easy to get into if you you know, practice enough. But if you really want a challenge, you got the Waken bosses too. And that race for the first set of Blorva kind of felt like a pseudo Inferno race. Yeah. The first half completion. It was so exciting to watch that. I know it wasn't as a, you know, widespread, but I mean, it was only like a couple of hours compared to like two days. So mm-hmm. got to keep that in mind. So it's still good though. I think this is fantastic that they did that. And I'm hoping they do more stuff like that in the future. Shout out Sync. That was impressive. I was not... Because yeah. uh, I feel like Sync's pretty inconsistent when it comes to content creation and just gaming in general. I think he has like seasons where he goes pretty hard and then not. But him just coming back and just getting that shit done, that was, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. Shout out to the boy. Well deserved. Okay. But no yeah, no, no shout out to CX though because bitch he did. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. Okay, thoughts on the difficulty of CAs? Hmm. So, regarding the CAs we have now, I feel like you look back at old CAs and they've just become easier and easier to do because of new gear. Um, Now, I'm not trying to say, hey, you should update the times because of new gear, uh, because of the fact that that would lock the content where it's like you're forced to get this item to get the time. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Obviously, I'm not saying, hey, you should go in there with a bronze dagger and get the time, but I'm saying you should be able to accomplish it with gear that is, like, at an end game a little bit easier to obtain. Maybe not, like, the Shadow and Tebow, uh, but it will be harder. Like, it'll definitely be harder without it. Yeah. So, it's my only concern. I think the only time you should be tweaking the times would be if they're making changes such as the uh, Chambers of Zeric changes that they're pitching, because I feel that it'll probably shave off a couple of seconds. Maybe like 15 to 20 seconds. Um, that might be a stretch saying that, but yeah, those changes will definitely save some time, for sure. So I think like, those are the times they should be making some tweaks. Um, I think the Muspo series were actually okay. The time felt kind of like a drag. It was like, either you get the shield skip or you don't. So that one felt okay. Felt kind of annoying for some people. I, I mean, I got that shit done in like 15 minutes, but some of my boys were taking hours on end to get it done. So, yeah, that was the thing that was just like, man, that sucks. So yeah. it, it's tough as well. I mean, I remember when the Fasani's one was like 7.30 or lower. Or no, it was 7.15. Initially. It was, yeah. I, was I it got, sub-7 at some point or was it 7.15? I think it was 7.15 because... I got okay. a sub seven within like, you know, three kills or something. I was like, okay, that was easy. And then I saw Lake going like hard for like 12 plus hours. <laughs> just couldn't get it. Yeah. Not losing any ticks. Just literally just pure RNG. That was funny. Yeah. So those RNG grinds are kind of where it's kind of like it sucks. But yeah. Yeah, I feel like the difficulty of CAs are okay. 
I mean, it don't have to be the hardest thing in the game. That's what I think. I think I think they're actually great. It pushes players to a really good point where you don't have to be like on noob type or you know unpredictable status where you're just doing some crazy yeah. masochistic tedious bullshit just to yeah. prove yourself. But it gets you a lot of practice into most content and makes you pretty yeah. proficient. It it can get that's like the start to like want to go further with something because before then I had like two four inferno casey or something after i potted tears i was walking out with like 10 casey and i started doing more and more inferno and i was getting a better understanding of the content i'm not at like the speedrunner level for sure people are getting some 50s and stuff but i'm at the level where i can just you know casually send like a 55 minute run or something without putting in a lot of effort no flicking at all that yeah, type of thing that, that's awesome that's so. the real benefit i know that, that was me i was i think i was three or four inferno casey and then i was basically just forced to get up to like 13 um and yeah it felt great like it was just you know it sucked because i suck at inferno but you know i got those tasks done i was like okay like i actually feel way more confident going back in here if i ever choose to yeah i i think i think the difficulty of the cas is fine some tasks do some tasks i feel like deserve to be on a tier of their own um six like five to six jads is probably one of the harder tasks um and then Perfect Aka also feels like a pretty rough one, too. But those are my opinions. Obviously, some people are going to be like, oh, that's easy. But in my opinion, those are some pretty rough ones. Yeah. I'm only going to flex because you brought it up. I try not to. Well, no, I, I try to find every opportunity to flex this. But I have two six Jad completions, zero deaths. Yeah, you're, you're not human, bro. Congratulations. <laughs> so that, the, the, I remember getting it because like when they first came out, I ran it on stream got it my first attempt and then they came out the cas i'm like god damn it like my perfect 1-0 record is going to be destroyed but no ran the five ran the six not, didn't die i'm like i'm a f- i'm never doing six jets man. like i gotta keep this on the board forever so i did uh i did it on the beta worlds and then i eventually did it again when it came out to the main game but uh it's i don't remember how many tries it took me in the main game i'd have yeah. to look but probably inaccurate now for all the ca attempts Mm-hmm. Now it's it's like one of my only flexes that I can just continuously flex. I, I doubt anybody else yeah. in the game has a two zero record, so I just have to. But I'm there's just now if I ever went back in there, the pressure would be so goddamn high. I don't think I could. I don't think I could get it to three to zero. Panic. Yeah. But uh, okay. Um, favorite four sixteen officer moment. Oh God. Uh... <laughs> All right, I guess I have to explain a little bit about the whole 416 arc in my life. So, okay. uh, 416 is a laboratory. I've used this place to test out a lot of different mechanics to eventually PK my friends. So, yes, I was a I was a villain. I would go in there and I would test out stalls and I would test out all these different methods at soat, at bloat, um, and at some point I went into the back of maiden room and played a game of catch with my friend while the rest of the team is just sending question marks as the crabs are going into the boss. So we have done some very villainous things uh, in, in 416, which I have done on stream too. I'm not, I'm not proud of because uh, the, the one thing is like, yeah, it's fun, but you're wasting other people's time. And uh, the worst thing that I think about when I did those things is what if this becomes a movement and then all the 416 just turbo grief the whole time. I know there's always going to be people that do it themselves. So like I've kind of like slowed down on doing it because I don't want to 
encourage that type of behavior, even if it's what people enjoy watching. I feel like I think it just pushes, uh, you know, toxic behavior. But I have to think really deep into this. I think probably the favorite one was when Noobtype created the most insane technology of all time. And me and him devised a way to kill you no matter what with flies. Because we would basically cut you off. So one person would be in a corner and then he'd be in the other corner and we would use stalls. So <laughs> he would bastards. store the flies. He would store flies. So they would run away from me only to go to him. And then the flies would just unleash and then they'd all die. Oh and my we, God. Yeah. And I think that has to be by far my favorite moment as the 416 officer because we talked about that off stream and then it randomly pulls up uh, later in the stream when I did it for the first time when I first unveiled the officer uniform on stream. Yeah. And he was like, yo, pull up for this because OKG went to bed. And I was like, okay. And then we unveiled it and it was so bad. We were just sitting there just resetting bloats over and over again because we kept killing our teammates and teleporting out. <laughs> I love it because it's literally a death trap. They're probably getting double flied. I mean, but you guys are probably just chilling not with just getting no, one flies, right? Well, here's the thing, right? When the stall ends, yeah. every fly that they got hit by is unleashed on one tick. So, oh my god, we're storing like uh, probably 20 ticks worth of flies or like 15, 10 ticks because obviously bloat goes around the corner. Oh. So, it's instant death without a peanut. Holy. Yeah. If you don't have a peanut, you just die because yeah. the peanut will know all the flies after the first one. Mm. But otherwise, you're dead. That is no fucking, that's insane. You know what's crazy? <laughs> this is this is kind of unrelated, but just on that kind of stall, um, I actually just saw this, and apparently it was already kind of known, uh, I guess, a couple weeks back or something like that. But um, I, I think No Monkey had like, uh, I think he showed it off on stream or something. But at Seracnus, you know when you're caught in those webs, you can use a the, ring of stone yeah. or a ring of coins to just... Yeah, I saw them. that at Warcalf, um, which... I thought it was really cool. That was really, really cool. Yeah, I'm actually like okay with that being a strat. Like, you know, I've I've killed like 27,000 Seracnus. So, uh, you know, rip like 100 hours from being able to do that for the whole time. But uh, <laughs> I just think like, and apparently you can do it at Nightmare as well with the husks. Ooh, that, that's, that's so nice. That's so crazy because it feels... I feel like this would have been known so much earlier. For some reason, I just thought like those rings couldn't be activated in any sort of combat situation, but they can. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. Let's see. So this question, I actually want to talk about the, it looks like you have two podcasts going. Is it the state of PVM, I believe? And then uh, the. Yeah. What's the, what's the other PBM one? PVM or Spotlight. PVM or Spotlight. So let me ask you. Well, here, let me read this. Um, uh, let me read this topic from OPM. Or, okay. oh, it's oh it's UIM Needles. Okay. Change his name. Uh, how do you th think when there are five other GigaChad gamers all talking at the same time in one call? So that is the state of PVM, correct? Podcast? Yeah, that is the state of PVM, which is... Uh... It started off with me, Toy, Kirby, and Hemis, which are like our recurrent hosts. And then uh, eventually we were like, we can maybe get some like other people. So we've had uh, Dudash and Dale. Um, we've had uh, Nomucky twice. And then we had Ponari and we've had Noobtype on as well, mm. all on different occasions. Gamers. But uh, yeah, they're all, they're all gamers. They're all better than me. 
But uh, <laughs> when I'm on that podcast, I'm just honestly, I'm just sitting there freaking like I'm hoping everyone has an opportunity to talk because the main reason why I have all those people on there is because I just want to have everyone just give their you know two cents. I know some people are much better when it comes to giving out their thoughts. I feel like sometimes Hebby's a uh, no offense. I'm not trying to say like this is a bad thing, but Henry's be talking a whole lot. He's been saying a lot of like good points too. I just had him um, on the cast, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. Hemis is my boy, right? I love yeah, him. Yeah. But it's like I tried my best to try to let the others speak. Or if I notice someone is quiet because of what happened last time with uh, Panari, where I felt like he didn't really say much. Yep. I try to poke at him. It's a struggle. To, uh, it's... Yeah, I try to poke at him to see if I could get them to say something because there's a reason I have them on there. I want to hear everyone talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spoke with Noob Type after the one that I did with him. Uh, mm-hmm. He said it was a combination of just uh, nerves and also because whenever he wanted to say something, Somebody someone else. had already said it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's what that's why I'm like, damn it, man. So I'm I'm just like, I don't really feel stressed about it. I'm just kind of leaving my thoughts out, hearing what they're saying. But that's a primary thing that's going in my head. Like, I'm just hoping everyone has a chance to talk. That's, that's a good. It. That's a great trait to have as a host as well. Just knowing, like being aware of you know yeah talking time uh so how have you enjoyed being a, like a podcaster i know you i mean there's not you don't have a huge catalog yet of episodes but it seems like you're relatively consistent with it um do you plan on continuing those uh those podcasts like indefinitely or is there like what what are your what are your plans going forward with it oh for, for sure yeah i mean there will always be new PVMers that will show up. So for PVMer Spotlight, when new names pop up out of nowhere or people I know want to you know, say something or ask me, hey, you want to pull up for this? I'm always down. It's just uh, life has been getting a little bit busier these days. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now, I'm trying to see if I can pick up a second job because uh, I, I, need, I need money. The yeah. colleges are knocking at my door. Hey, give me the money right now. You know, that type of stuff. Yep. So back at work again, trying to make money there. Uh, and then I had that interview for classes in January. So on top of that, I'm going to be working and doing classes when January hits. So might not have as much time to stream or do stuff like that. But in the meantime, right, while I've still got time, I'm going to do my best to, you know, try to run these podcasts. The, the state of PBM, that will always be a bi-yearly podcast. Because here, here's my two cents on it, right? It's easy when you're talking to different people. Uh, because they all have different opinions. You can talk to them about different topics, especially if they're like, maybe they specialize in one PBM, maybe they specialize in playing a game one way, uh, maybe they make videos, maybe they're a crazy editor, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone's different. So you can always get different opinions. Talking about. But when you're doing a podcast with the same people, uh, topics can kind of be stale, specifically in PBM, because uh, trying to come up with something every month, every week is tough. Which is why I try to wait for big PVM releases when I schedule the state of PVM stuff. Usually I'll try to schedule like a week or two after they announce something big. And then, boom, come out, go out live on stream, and then we uh, we talk about stuff. And maybe grab some comments from uh, Twitch. I-, I remember I used to do PVM or Spotlight live on Twitch, but uh, I stopped doing that just because it's a bit easier for me to just do it offline. And then... Uh, <clears throat> do all the editing and stuff afterwards. But I feel like state of PVM is, I think that's fine to do that live on stream. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, let's see. All right. 
here's a topic from Tar Wars. What is your favorite mechanic inside chambers, and what is your favorite mechanic from any boss? Oh man, yo, shout out Tar Wars. He's my boy, dude. Um, <laughs> regarding, regarding my favorite mechanic in Chambers, hmm. man, that's really tough. I'm really trying to think. What is something in Chambers that I really enjoy? Because there's so many different things that I like. Um, I could just bundle the old fight and just say that as a whole mechanic is my favorite. That'd be great. I just really enjoy, at least in teams, this is like a team thing. But a lot of the pre-moving and situational awareness required in Ulm is probably the one thing I enjoy because you can pretty much negate the amount of tick loss damage taken and also status effects like bird with me and getting hit by lightnings hey. or being put in the lightning flame wall. Hey. If you're there's uh you haven't eaten anything so there's food up there. Oh I, I ate something earlier but I'll eat something later. I, I ate something earlier but I'll eat something later. Okay I made I made pork chops, there's chicken, you know there's rice, there's spaghetti so just pick whatever you want. Pork chops are in the uh, microwave. Okay. <laughs> don't okay, worry. Sorry, I'll, I'll, don't worry. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll get that edited out. Um, <clears throat> so I'll, I'll start that one over so you can get like a clean cut here. Okay. <clears throat> so regarding my favorite mechanic in Chambers, I'm just going to say situational awareness and Ulm. Uh, well, I know that's kind of a bundled mechanic, but... Just being aware of your position for stuff like crystals, uh, burn with me, acid run, like any of those thing in teams, it's a lot more tougher in teams. And if you position correctly, like you do pre-moves to dodge backwards, you can pretty much prevent causing like a widespread burn in teams of five. And I think that is really cool. Just all the just knowing where you got to be and just being aware of like where your teammates are too. It can it could really just shine in speed runs when people are just not burning the whole team or not getting hit by like crystals dropping on your head and placing crystals in different spots. So I just think the positional awareness in Ulm is just really cool as a whole. Yeah, now Ulm is a, a beautiful like miracle basically that just happened. Like that just everything worked out somehow. And I don't yeah. I don't think it was intentional. I mean, even without all the buggy spaghetti like you could still do positional awareness even without the spaghetti because i think the main spaghetti in teams is just like being able to skip specials but otherwise the fight pretty much plays out like normal tank hits and you don't really do mage runs unless you're doing like smaller scales so yeah jewel says you and others spoke about new reward categories other than gear on the last state of pbm podcast do you have any ideas for new reward types that weren't mentioned um well we already spoke about potentially adding new potions like overload spec pots and stuff mm -hmm. like that um now they could also do stuff that's just like maybe having more of an emphasis on rules but it would obviously be gear locked so I don't know if that really answers the question very well because it's like, you know, no, no more gear upgrades type deal, right? Yeah. But having more of an emphasis on, I think, more roll stuff would be cool. Whether it's someone that amplifies the damage or someone that like debuffs defense instead of just being everyone brings hammers, maybe having one person that specializes in applying some sort of debuff to the boss. Um, I feel like it'd be kind of cool if we had more of that. Especially tanks, like... Tanks are underutilized in this game. 
there are a few instances where you can kind of control who's getting hit. But uh, other than that, it's like, there's not really much need or emphasis for tank rules. So, yeah, and I know it's sidetracking for the rewards a bit, but it'd be really nice to see more content that specializes or more content that really needs different roles so that we can see more cool rewards that kind of go around the spaces of debuffs, tanks, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what other rewards you could do outside of gear. Maybe, maybe new spells, because, uh, you know, one thing I could see if they want to make Virtus a little bit better, instead of just being just barrage gear the whole time, add a new spell to Ancients if they want to maybe introduce something that's kind of like a little bit better than the Tridents, and a little worse than the Shadow. Like, they could do something like maybe like a weaker version of Storm of Armor, you know, just Zerosified or something. I don't know. So they could do something like a new spell, maybe. I guess don't know I'll... if that makes sense with the Colosseum, though, if they were to introduce for that. So maybe something like more desert treasured stuff type stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, even just overall, just reward space in general for any future content. What do you, What were your thoughts personally on um, them scrapping Ruinous Powers? I won't lie. I was butthurt as hell. But, you know, I look back <laughs> at that. It was the right move. It was the right move. It's just like, honestly, this is just really selfish of me. Like, it was just like me being very selfish when they took it out because I was here, like, making The Sims while I was on vacation. Mm. So I wasn't really able to really play around it with my friends. But I'm like sitting there, like, bro, the no crystal odds went from, what was it, like 14% to like 25% or something like that. It like nearly doubled. And there are some other things that you could also do to make it even better, but it revolves around playing with specific account builds to lower the team like combat level so everyone have to run like x combat level to reduce the hp of fossa so like looking at runa's prowers by themselves yeah they, they seemed pretty good for cebs they seemed insane for tob but they were also kind of like not too good in other places as well yeah. so yeah i was like I, I will admit i was a little bit bummed out but honestly i'm kind of happy with how things are right now yeah, no, I mean, there definitely was going to be some really exciting stuff coming out with them if they if they just forced them into the game. But I think for the health, not the not ideal, was, not yeah, ideal, yeah. yeah, for sure. I I think that pitch they did, or the person on Reddit did the. Uh, I always forget the name of it, but the uh, the one where you yeah, you'd like, have like four prayers. Yeah, it's uh, like the God so alignment. God. There you go. Yeah, God alignments. I thought that was interesting, and that would allow for some. Uh, cool prayers maybe you could swap out a uh, rigor piety and augury or like some of those prayers with like these god alignment prayers they could potentially be buffed versions of x priors so that way you wouldn't be running around with like prayers that are super good for one thing maybe they're like good for a specific type of content mm -hmm. but uh again not sure if just making something that just straight up better is the play or not so we'd have to see i could also just do an additional four prayers as well um but like i said you got to see how they balance it. I, I think the choices would be kind of nice. I wonder if, if there will ever come a time where you pot a piece of content and you have people on different god alignments. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Like that—that that is yeah. definitely like the way to go. I think is keeping the standard prayer book that we have and just adding additional. I mean, I, I would, I would even be okay with you know even like along like I don't know the next decade or something releasing way more than just like six new prayers. But what yeah. they would have to do is like really condense 
down like thick skin burst of strength clarity of thought like that can all just be one thing like a piety that's like a, a lesser piety you know and just kind of yeah. group these things up that are just taking up so much space so obviously that could be a discussion for the future but i think keeping yeah, everything all cool. in, all in one prayer book is probably the way to go simply because if you come out with an entirely new one there's gonna be prayers that are actually meta that end up just those overlap yeah, it's just it's a it's a complete overlap, and it just feels unnecessary at that point. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like it felt like it makes sense with how they did uh, the you know different spell books with what they do with utility and stuff. Uh, maybe that, or the fact that we've had them in the game for so long, so we're just used to it. But with prayers, it's like um, there's only so much you can really do with prayers without making it feel like a spell book. So yeah, yeah, that's that's the issue because there there felt like a lot of overlap. Whereas, like, pre-EOC, before they did all those changes where now it's, like, you're good, too, it was a very melee-focused one. You could still range, you could still mage. It wasn't as good, though, as melee, because Turmoil was your best bet. Mm. So, yeah. I, th I think it's just better to just add on to our current prayer book or making changes to it with, uh, you know, a few prayers based on your alignment compared to just, like, a whole-ass prayer book. Okay, find my dog says, sup dudes, potentially spicy question, but I'd love to hear Seto's thought, uh, answer. Sebe shared a sentiment recently that Oblivion doesn't highly regard Rostaman's achievements. Personality aside, would you put him in the top five active PVMers right now? If not, why? So uh, to add on top of that, uh, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I feel like a lot of people kind of just joke on him like big time. I feel like a lot of it does come from the fact that uh, he has said some things that a lot of people weren't a fan of um, in the past. Some of it being edgy and other stuff just being... Uh, he gloated to one guy that he had a mansion and lived in Malibu, and that didn't really sit well with him <laughs> at all. It sounded kind of dickish, but... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's... You know, that aside, because, you know, I, I gave him shit about it. And I'm hoping that he's changing for the better. Even if people are like, don't give him a second chance. I, I believe in giving people second chances. Like, I, I might not, you know, even if it's not someone I love or someone I hate, you know, I always think as long as he didn't do something that's absolutely tragic. Like, he's not going out there murdering babies, right? He's just, he's saying some bad stuff on the internet, but people say dumb stuff on the internet all the time, right? That, so. that is, let me just take a moment to just say, like, first of all, everyone learns as they grow up and stuff yeah. and and the biggest thing is just being aware and moving like progressing yourself like m becoming a better person so you know just because like like i'm i'm older like i'm 28 and there yeah. are people on the internet that are 17 like just idiots i mean they they clearly don't have a fully developed brain yet and they will just <laughs> i mean my my younger brother for example would say like just the stupidest shit and i'm like hey like just to let you know like i know it probably seems funny and like just whatever but you're a kid right now and you're gonna realize in a few years yeah. like these things are permanent online so you just be careful and i think the biggest thing is just awareness and realizing like people say stupid shit and it, the the difference is moving beyond that like just yeah, understanding I, and then progress like just to say like you said this one thing four years ago or fucking canceled permanently like that is the that is know, that is uh, evil man like that's fucked up like, I, 
so I'm speaking because, you know, at one point I had like an edgelord arc when I was hanging out with some friends and we just were always saying edgy stuff together. And mm -hmm. until I got that wake up call from that one guy that was like, you guys got to stop this. And that was when I just like everything snapped. And I was like, yeah. wow, what am I doing? And then that was when things woke up. That, that's why I'm always like, you can always give someone a second chance as long as you don't do something major. But they kind yeah, of have to, to prove it. Yeah. Got, to, uh, like, imagine it. imagine you had been canceled before you even had that wake up. It's just yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, I'm, I'm young. Like, I just don't understand what I'm doing, really. Yeah, I know this isn't very RuneScape-esque, but I know the internet has definitely changed a lot. Because if you look at the span of YouTube, too, um, they've been more focused on family-friendly stuff. The iDubs, the Filthy Franks. You don't really see that these days because you're not going to get any revenue from that. They're going to try to keep you out from the recommended feed because you're not uh, not commercial friendly. Mm -hmm. There's more of a strict thing on that. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, the age has changed. So people will change with that, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, with that point aside, um, there are other people in Obliv who do say some very concerning things, kind of like some of the things that Rasta said in the past. So they're not innocent either. Um there, there are a bunch of people who say a lot more stuff. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. It's, it sucks, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, no, for sure. There's a lot of edge lords just in video gaming and ju just chronically online. I mean, that's just uh, yeah. That's just what yeah. That's what it is. What it is. Um, but, no, I think. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna just to you know kind of center back on the topic, and I'll just share a few more thoughts. Like I. I had considered, well, I, I think Rostaman or Scotty, I think he's one, I, I think personally he's the best speedrunner when it comes to high-level content. I just think he's the most talented speedrunner. And obviously in certain situations, like Tob, he hasn't touched really, so like, I can't consider him there yeah. or, or Toa. But like the things he does touch and the things he does like start really diving into, he becomes really good really quickly. And I think it's just like raw talent as well. And when I mentioned his name potentially and I hadn't decided, but I was, you know, had, had offered his name to be one of the top five, uh, greatest PBMers. Uh, it was like a lot of people just don't like him. And so, and it's really clear because there's never a valid argument really against him being in the top. It's always just, a personal vendetta against him like i don't like him as a person so he's all of a sudden bad and just make up random straw man arguments for why he's not as good so that is annoying because for example like in inferno people really and i totally understand this and i'm willing to put it up for debate but like people will say jolanine's the greatest or you know anybody like adicon's better or just you know other names it's generally jolanine because he is very very good and he's probably exactly on par with scotty but they will yeah. downplay scotty because he's given other advantages like he has people you know maybe doing turial skipping for him so he can just run more and you know he has those advantages and stuff and i'm like or he's just played more and i'm like dude that is literally how you get better like you do you just do more and you get better so i'm not arguing that jolanine couldn't be better than Scotty if he put in more time, but he hasn't put in more time. So it's like he, and you know, you can always make that debate of like, well, it's just all RNG at the end of the day at that, you know, Inferno, but it's like, clearly we haven't hit the stage where it's all RNG because there's ticks being missed on every run, but, mm -hmm. but it still is RNG. Like you could have a nose, like you could have a, um, a, 
a full Zuck uh, set skip and, you know, your triple jads could be insanely fast and whatever. But I think the only way to objectively say, the only meaningful, like, um, metric for this is just what their time is. And so I think Scotty is, like, is the best speed runner when it comes to Inferno and, you know, solo CMs and all those things. And when people just, like, downplay it or just outright deny it um, i just find it really silly yeah i think there is one there is a bit of character to it because there is a lot of people who don't really like him so there is a bit of downplay there but the other thing is there's also uh, consistency and some of the, i will say some of the decision he makes sometimes it, it is a bit of an eyebrow raiser because i think there was a picture that was getting posted in a bliv mm-hmm. of um i think it was like the it was a picture of will ferrell from elf with his like eyes or his hands over his eyes, like running to a wall. And then there's like a skeletal mystic just ready to punch him out. So because I think he died in a solo CM and he was getting mad about it. I don't I haven't seen the actual clip, but this is just what I'm <laughs> what I saw. And he wasn't praying melee. So mm. it's like stuff like that just makes you like raise your ever like just just praying melee, bro. Like cause a good player would, you know, not chance it to RNG. So I think a lot of people tend to value consistency more than uh having the actual time but at the same time yeah. it's like if it were anyone else ben ross i think they would probably get like an applaud it's just the fact that he has a lot of people who do not like him yeah, yeah, yeah so. no, and that was, that was a great point at the end like if if joel or if um if they if the if the you know, positions were swapped and Jolanine was Rossman, like the personality or whatever, like the, yeah. you know, just whatever people think of Jolanine. I don't think he's really that public with like who he is generally speaking besides like his close friends. But like if there was no negatives, I mean, and they were switched positions, people would just absolutely worship <laughs> Jolanine. For, yeah. And so that that's, that's my concern is like, just you have a personal vendetta against him for some odd reason. Yeah. Right? You have to downplay uh, stuff. Even then, it's like, uh, regarding Jolin, people love Jolin because of the fact that he's just a cool dude overall. Yeah, yeah, But he's yeah. also he's one of the most talented. consistent players. Yeah, he's one of the most consistent Inferno speedrunners. It is not even funny how consistent they are. It's just like, yeah. I think he would have been able to get record a couple of times if his RNG isn't bad. Just not sure if he's really running right now. Obviously, people are going to play the game for fun. So if he's not having fun speedrunning, then yeah. don't speedrun. But no, again, t- I don't know what he's doing right now. Totally. There's definitely arguments for that. But it's like when I think of best speedrunner, I'm just like, he has the world record. So even yeah. though you can say it's world, or even if you say it's RNG, even if you say it's like, oh, he just put in more time, he just got luckier. He's just, it's like, just beat the record then. And then you can prove it. Like you can, because I will, if, if anybody beats his time, then all of a sudden I will consider them the best because they've proved yep. it. Yeah. So. Um, there, there's another case where I'll talk about it, um, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna, I'll finish up my thoughts here regarding Rasta and that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I consider them top five players, just because uh, when I think top five, there's just more than just speed running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's what I, I would definitely. In the solo category, I would probably consider him like one of the best for sure. Um, so definitely would probably put him top five. If I'm not, <laughs> I know people are gonna be like, "How dare you!" But at the same time. I mean, you, you bring a valid point. He is putting in the time. He is getting the records. Um, there is probably other people that are way more consistent. It's just all about them getting the times. So like, yeah. look at Pahiz. I feel like Pahiz is probably one of the best solo CMers and CM players of all time, right? So definitely would put him like 
probably above Russ and CM, but regarding Inferno and the other stuff, like, yeah, I think Russ is pretty decent. It'd be kind of, it would be bad to not acknowledge that, even if you dislike the guy. Yeah. Yeah, he puts in a lot of hours. He's got the task, like, ready to go. He has an advantage. If anyone else was in that position where they had non-stop task, they could potentially get to that spot too. So. Yeah. It's possible for anyone, not just Rasta. So totally. just keep that in mind when I say when totally. I say that he's really good. Um, but that also brings another point too, like regarding records and people just like question marking when someone gets a record. This happened with Duo Tom. Um, so there was a guy named Chumbo Yi, who I think he makes it an objective to not really put much attention to his name, and I think the Duo Tom stuff didn't really help his case. He and another dude were just money running and they just managed to cop the duo top record just out of nowhere and a lot of people were just hard memeing him like hard memeing him and the time and it's just like okay yeah they weren't record running they were literally money running and that just shows you like anything can happen on a run and you could just cop record but it just raised my eyebrow how people were just kind of salty about it <laughs> it's, it's literally the game in a nutshell dude like you i understand it would suck so much you're putting in hours and hours to get the record. And then some guy just money runs it. Like, not even trying to go for the record. <laughs> that's it. It is. It was so funny to me. But at the same time, it's like... I just that's RuneScape. That yeah. yeah, it's RuneScape in a nutshell. Um, and you just got to understand, this is an RNG game. You're either going to get the good RNG, or you're just not going to get the good RNG. And you just have to accept that at the end of the day. And it's... A, it, yeah. it's, it's kind of fun as well. Like, it's fun to get the good RNG runs. It feels good to just hit big. Yeah. And if you make everything hella consistent, so it's like, okay, well, it's probably more fair now, but at the same time, you're never going to get those, like, just the juice runs, you know, where you just... The god um, run. Yeah, the god runs where just everything's <laughs> going right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's what that's kind of the fun about RuneScape, though. Like, it's unfair, but everyone gets their chance of having, like, a juiced run, so... The glory. Yeah, I just feel bad for Chumboyi, because, like, again, he doesn't, he doesn't seem like the type of person that wants to put a lot of attention on his name. He just put the record up because he got the record, and then I think he got a lot of a negative attention for <laughs> what I feel like is zero, bro. Like, all these guys, they're just literally beating their meats with their, you know, their fast Nilo times and stuff, and then Chum Boy, he pulls up with his five-minute time or whatever, and they're like, oh, this is unacceptable! Get rid of it right now! And I'm just like, come on, bro. Come on. That's awesome. Relax, people. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh um okay so here's a topic from zarov uh, he ba basically you know he's asking what your favorite raid is which you've already kind of said is like cm it's um, coa no it's it's cm yeah it's yeah i guess I was gonna say uh what <laughs> uh but he says as, as a follow-up what changes would you make to that raid to make it uh complete perfection i guess we can kind of just go into any raid specifically is there any changes that would just make any of the three raids just way more enjoyable. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll start with TOA because that's a room that or a place that needs a lot of change. Um, this is a, a weird one, but I think it'd be really fun. And make it where melee is actually better at Zabak. It would lead to some really fun gameplay if uh, Scythe was like the go-to for Zabak. Um, depending on what path level he is, if you're either save ticked or five t or like two ticks apart with people, kind of similar to Guardians, you should be able to not get yomped. So it really leads to some really interesting kind of Berserk P2 gameplay. Because it, it seems like melee should be the hard thing to use on him, but it should give you the most reward because of the 
you know, the jugs, uh, the acid, the waves. So I think it would really create some an interesting gameplay loop if I were the case. And you could still make range decent uh, because at times you're going to have to go to cover to mm-hmm. not get screamed at. But I think that making melee in that room better would really spice the room though. I think it'd be really cool. And if you don't want to melee, you still can because range is decent. But yeah. melee is going to give you the, the record times, you know? That's what I want. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, Baba Puzzle, uh, condense the room a bit. Maybe just the HPs. The Baboomer change was awesome. I, I love it so much when you just, when I just bring the Baboomer over and then kaboom! It's, it's actually so exhilarating just watching the shaman and everything around just pop. It actually is so Such great. a great change. Yeah. Um, now, Baba, I think Baba needs a complete rework because. I want a room that feels chaotic, and it is still somewhat chaotic, but I feel like for the wrong reasons. So I feel like there should be... I think it's a fight that should ramp up in difficulty. Maybe as the HP gets lower, it has that, uh, you know, it has that effect like our good friend Vardorvis hits harder. Or maybe, you know, like those things that get opened up um, by yeah, the monkeys. Yeah, the sarcophagi. Yeah, I think those should buff the boss instead. So there's, like, reason to try to take those guys down. Um... So make it where she's not absolutely destroying it to start unless you're letting the sarcophagi get touched. Uh, maybe have an invocation where they'll occasionally get cursed and someone needs to uncurse them. Otherwise, she'll remain buffed. And it costs you prayer points. And if you don't have prayer points, use your HP. So that's another resource you can use if you have no prayer. Um, and it just... I think that would be kind of a more interesting way to do the room instead of it just being like, me, Big Baba, me beat the heck out of you, do a lot of damage. Because I feel like the, there would still be element of chaos because you still have to run to the boulders to not get destroyed. But now you have these elements like you got to protect these things so she gets stronger. Um, and then maybe introducing some monkeys from the room prior, which I felt like missed opportunity right there. Like having the boomers coming in or the cursed shamans coming in, uh, that would have really made it like more interesting and chaotic. Because that, that room just, I envision it, just chaos, absolute chaos. Mm-hmm. It, it maybe, you know, organize all what you got to do for all that chaos but that's what i want out of baba i just want it to be absolute chaos and it, it doesn't feel like that it just feels like reddick sim and high grade levels and that sucks i see um p3 i mean when we talk p3 board and i don't know it's like it is kind of simple i'm not sure how else you'd go about making it uh better i have to do something with randomizing the attacks a bit more but People might not be happy because tech loss and you know, maybe have to slow down the attack speed if you want to make it where you have enough time to react or you just sit in the back. So there's that. Um, I, th- I mean, one of the things No Monkey brought up several months back was just like imagine there was like waves, like Zebak waves going throughout. Yeah. So you also have to dodge, you know, the every three ticks on insanity, but then you have to move to a certain position because there's a wave coming or something. That just... That would be good. Something yeah. more like, to add to the insanity of it, but yeah. Um, I think that'd be good. And then P two wardens. Uh, the biggest ask is uh, two wardens at once. They could definitely make it where the attacks kind of work off of each other, so that way you're not just gonna get same tick by a mage in a range attack. So they could definitely figure something out. And then on top of that, one uses shadow orb, and then the other one uses uh, the prayer orb. I think that would make P two a lot more interesting. They could do it where, like, in the beginning, right? You have your one warden, but after the first core down, uh, when it returns, then the second one wakes up. So then you got to fight two at the same time. That would literally be so hype. Like, that would have been the shock of a century if it's like you fight one at once, and then the second one's like, 
ah, baby, I'm coming in now. Like that would have actually been so fun. Like on God, who wouldn't want two wins at once? That'd be crazy. Dude, uh, this is actually something I meant to, oh, it's not like I ever meant to bring it up, but it's something I want to bring up because uh, this would obviously take some work like on the, like the artist side and just engine work in general. But you know how, Tov has a great little trophy room at the end, and TOA has a nice little, you know, chest room and golden. You see Chambers? your purple. Chambers is bullshit. Like, what? Why can't like? Do you think it's worth the dev time to make it so that when Ohm dies, the floor like crumbles and you go into like the trophy room and then you claim your things? And so when you're doing like CM yeah. vibes, you have five. I don't That'd know. Cool. I don't exactly know how it would work with a hundred fucking. People. But like, um, they would all just get brought down to the next room. But I don't know how hard that would be engine-wise to bring that many people down into the next room. Yeah, it's. I don't. I don't know if there's anything that forces that many players at once. I know. I say, wait, there probably is. Because think of it like this: fishing trawler takes you to a different destination, and there's a lot of people there. Yeah. Same with Temporos, yeah. so we could definitely do it. Yeah. yeah. Who Who knows how that will work? But I think that would actually be worth the dev time to just make chambers feel cooler when you you know get a purple it's not just like the chest is literally waiting there outside of a purple and you're seeing it the entire time I mean, just flashes here's a real shock you kill yeah. top floor ohm and then you have to fight bottom floor ohm right after oh god <laughs> sorry I had, I had to say that my friend of mine uh made a little pvm concept for bottom floor ohm at some point and it was uh interesting to say the least i'm not gonna get any more detail about that anyway <laughs> <laughs> okay um all right. All right. Oh, oh, yeah, Tob. Uh, or yeah, I don't know. What, was there any more for TOA? Um, maybe making P1 more interesting. Like, either just get rid of it or just make P1 more interesting because it feels kind of basic. Like, mm. look at P1 for uh, Berserk. What's nice about that is you have options. You can do the safe approach or you can lose HP uh, to make it go faster. This P1, it's just like you had bad TVS, you get orbed. And you take lots of damage. That doesn't feel very interactive, and it feels like you're getting punished for bad like, weapons. And I feel like there should be uh, more decision making in that to make it go faster at the cost of your HP, or you could play it safer. So I'm not sure how they'd go about that, um, but I would really like to see that for sure. Okay. Um, did you have anything for Tob or Chambers? I know we've already talked a lot about Chambers, but yeah, just, I... just in regards to that, is there anything that? at least comes to mind with chambers i'm like pretty happy with stuff there and on top it's like man i'm not sure i'm like sitting there thinking what could they do about tob um i guess the only thing would just be <laughs> just because it sucks when you miss effects it's just for so like, something to so but i feel like so isn't as bad as tacton yeah like, no, not specs even on, close hitting specs on so is kind of akin to hitting specs on cm5's melee hand because i think the defense is actually kind of similar Differences you can actually zero melee hand, you can't zero uh, so bring it mm. out to 100. So, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Tom, I, I feel like Tom, it's like it's smooth, know, man. It's just yeah, smooth, it's, it feels perfect. I'm yeah. trying to think of things to adjust, but I'm pretty happy with everything. Like, main feels good. Um, obviously, the most annoying thing is freezing and trios, but that's just a skill on its own. So, I'm mm-hmm. like, I think that's cool. Um, Nilo is just a fun room, very well done. Uh, bloat. Bloat, it's like it like conceptized, it sounds boring, but it is the most it is the most exhilarating room. You have hands dropping and you can fire team. 
So it's like it's simple, <laughs> but it's so scary. It's it's anxiety inducing, especially if you're hardcore, bro. Yeah. That room oh is yeah. Oh so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think people really enjoy Tob because there isn't really much they'd want to change with Tob. That and just you know, it's it's a tough raid. It's very tough and very easy to die. It's like, in my opinion, I feel like Chambers is harder to master, but it's easier to like like get into it as a noob. Whereas Tob is like. It's a bit easier to master, but it's harder to, you know, get into it because stats and easy to die. Mm. It's just because Chambers has so many small things you have to learn, like banking and all the minute details for Ulm and stuff, especially in solos. For so. sure, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, I think that's... That is very well put like tob is just it's been smooth since release i think the reason it is so good is because yeah it's like it doesn't have all the in, insane banking you have to do in chambers it's just you get some little treat you know with your little points to buy some stamps and buy some yeah. food and stuff and then you just go to the next room and it's it's Bro, there. it's I one difficulty it what I remember when it was randomized. That was, like, dude, when it was <laughs> randomized and you were an Iron Man and you just get, like, you know, three stamps and a shark, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh, those were yeah, the days. That, that was bad. They, they made some great changes to it. 100%. Okay. Uh, Sido, um, thank you very much for your time today coming on and talking with me about the state of pvm so before we wrap things up i want to ask you for three shout outs from the community all right so uh firstly i want to shout out uh, my brother from another mother a noob type he's been one of my closest friends for a very long time and i know that the eyes are all set on him now thanks to all of his crazy achievements i've always pushed him to go into content creation and honestly it just it makes me so happy to see that He's actually streaming now and doing all that stuff. So big shout out to him. Uh, love you, man. I know he's a. Uh, I know he's busy IRL doing something, but just want to know, man. If, if you if you hear this, uh, I love you, dude. Uh, my next shout out is gonna be to my boy Kirby, uh, very close friend of mine from back in the social clan days. I know he's more of a solo player, but but me and him used to be rivals back in the social clan. He was the reason I got in the solo chambers in the first place, and. Uh, he also helped kickstart my stream when I started streaming because I start. I asked him if he wanted to pot TM5 speedruns with us because at the time I was trying to go for the sub 21, which was when it was with Sangs, it was much harder. Um, he said, sure. We got a team together and we potted it. And that was an adventure. I feel like that was the real test to prove was I cut to be a CM speedrunner. So yeah, thank you to the boy. He's always been a good friend and you know, top from top speed runs to helping me kids fight my stream. Thank you, Kirby. Um, and the last shout out is gonna go to Hemis because Hemis has hosted some of the craziest tournaments of all time. And I think one place that I was able to just highlight the absolute stupidity of just some of the stuff I love doing on stream, like just doing stupid t stuff from time to time alongside the uh, you know, Max of stuff was his high risk tournament. I went in that tournament knowing I was going to lose. But I did that for the memes. Pulled up in full guffins. I literally went to the Ardune Zoo. Pulled a monkey in my backpack. And I said, we are going to Tom. And we are going to put on a show for everyone watching. <laughs> and everyone, I think, loved it. It was absolute chaos on my perspective. And I think everyone enjoyed it. And that's what I want to put out. 
Except there was one problem. No one noticed the monkey when I dropped it at Maiden. Not even the participants. I said, who put a monkey there? And they didn't say anything. I was like, oh my god. Uh, but honestly, that would also be the, uh, the, st the starting point for me to get into all the really intricate, cool mechanics like P-necking and making me do some, uh, nothing crazy like Porcazard, but stuff like, uh, I've done like Muspa on a Slayer task and still getting the speed time even though you can't get it on a Slayer task by skipping the task mid-kill when it does Oh yeah, I remember that. That was so fucking or the, funny. <laughs> or the Warden Skull skip too. So I know you said only three shoutouts, but I have to say one more shoutout because okay. uh, shout out to Port because he incentivized yeah. me to really push to do some dumb stuff that is also really cool. And uh, he pushed me to join Summit. So yeah, that that's it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Great shoutouts for real um Sido, thank you very much for those listening down in the description i'll have Sido's twitch his youtube and his twitter linked below anything else you want linked uh no i think that's it i just want to say it has been a pleasure thank you for having me man yeah no this is great uh just it's always nice just hearing different perspectives on like pvm especially because obviously that's not like necessarily my strong suit i feel like i'm just kind of an overall player and an iron man specifically but like it's it's nice having these conversations. So I appreciate your time today. Um, if you guys want to support the podcast, there is a Patreon link down in the description as well as you can now support through YouTube membership directly. Uh, and next, or this Saturday actually, so I am going to TwitchCon, so there will be a bye week this following week. But this Saturday, we're going to have Automology, Hebox, Yonga, and Dead Wilson on the Sebe cast at the exact same time. So it'll be the first oh my First, first ever cast with three people so it's going to be pretty insane and we're going to be talking about the state of skilling so uh it should be a good one i'm excited for it <laughs> but uh yeah thank you guys for listening as always and we'll catch you in the next one thank you again Sito. no problem farewell everybody